God, you're so obnoxious. <laughs> just obnoxious. You're just. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Glorious Bastards <laughs> Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and how Brad is already drunk. <laughs> My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Brad Polly. I know, not of what you speak. Matt Polly. Hey there. And together we are the Inglorious Bastards. This is going to be. This is going to be a mess. It's just for fair warning. It's just going to be a mess. I'm just telling you right now. I'm fucking on one right now. Yeah, you are. Brad has had two fists of whiskey. Um, announcements. Third year anniversary Jesus. is coming up March 23rd. Bloomington, Indiana, March 23rd, 2019. RSVP, Facebook.com, slash Pastors Podcast. Um, I like how I posted pictures today. I was trying to be nice. Like, Beth and I were in the vicinity. I tried to uh, post pictures of the place. Just everybody's like, like, what a shithole. I, I, I was like, I tried, just so people know what it looks like. The entrance. Oh, hey, everyone. Anybody know how to say, bite my crank? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just like. Maybe you can shut your dick holster. Yeah. Yeah, it just. <laughs> people are like, oh, oh, the photography's bad. Looking at you, Steve Dunn, you dickweed. <laughs> Photography's bad. Yeah, don't oh, how Matt, you took the picture? pictures are shit. Here's pictures. It's fucking Google Maps pictures. Like they have like a, tw- a sixty thousand dollar car with cameras oh, on it. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm standing in the middle of the street, not getting run over. I'm so glad I didn't see that post. Ugh. <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice. I'm I just tell you what, you was. motherfuckers find the video exactly. and we'll be there exactly next yeah. next time. Next time somebody else is setting this shit up. <laughs> God damn it. Trying to you don't like the venue, go fuck yourself. Find one for us, then. Yeah. <laughs> you can order the goddamn chairs yourself. Order all the fucking prizes. Order all the fucking beer. And you know what else you can do? Uh, <laughs> Shove it up your butt. <laughs> Pretty much. Feel that, buddy? Huh? 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 <laughs> oh, boy. Yes! Yes! Hey, fuck hey, you, Tom! Hey, you drinking? What are you laughing at? God. Fluid, so hey, I don't hey, know, but what are you drinking uh, now? I'm a beer away. From, I'm a beer away from getting hyper aggressive. Just it's gross. Oh, and you neat. know, who, guess who takes the brunt of that? No. Yeah, it's probably you. Yeah, it's gonna be me. <laughs> I'm gonna say one thing, and that's gonna be it. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so. Nonsense, <laughs> Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Calm down. Oh man. Uh, so for the interview uh, later on, we have uh, from Anderson Valley, which is in uh, Boonville, California. Mm-hmm. Boonville. Salt caramel, bourbon barrel aged porter. It's malt beverage aged fine. six months in wild turkey bourbon barrels. It, it was like at first. It fir- I was gonna say like when, at first it was like. Huh. It was flaccid. It just very, very it was flaccid. Just, it was as impotent as, yeah. as as I would be right now. It uh-huh. tasted watered down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just no feeling whatsoever. <laughs> just numb from the crotch down. Some antidepressants and <laughs> whiskey, baby. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, there would be none of that. No. Oh, I'm nope. It's okay. <laughs> After nope. about nine years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After her insides are raw, just like raw hamburger. All right. Well. Oh, boy. What else are we having? Anyway, that beer got better as it warmed up. Yeah. It was fine. Much much like myself. Uh-huh. Um, from Legal Remedy Brewing Company. Oh, in, this, this is good. 
from. Excuse me uh, while I open a can of whoop ass. It's from South Carolina. Oh, Rock, is, Rock Hill, South this Carolina. This is really good. Rock Hill. Um, yeah, it's their uh, plea bargain pecan ale. Mm-hmm. And it, it is. The fuck is that? Some good shit, man. <laughs> Jesus, Michael. <laughs> what? <laughs> Was that a boat horn? <laughs> Oh my god. I am the great Cornholio. You really caught me off guard with that. Anyway, uh, this will probably get better as it warms up too, I'm guessing. It's but it's, it's good, good, man. Yeah, just yeah, a it's good brown ale with pecan, very very so. pecani. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this round is on the Pastors Pubs. Uh, if you'd like to buy us around, head on over to patreon.com slash Pastors Podcast. I should just record me saying this and I'm saying it. You really should, actually. Um, we, You will get access to our spin-off podcast, access to uh, Pastors Pub. A spin-off podcast, we had Steve Austin this past weekend, Turd Talk. Yeah, I took a pass on that one. Um, a lot of people, her? About that one. So. I haven't listened to it yet, but I will. It, it's pretty I'll get good. To it. I'll good. probably listen to it tomorrow. That's good. Um, just let the world need another podcast with Steve Austin. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> There's great. not very many of those. <laughs> um, he's got like 18 of them. It's fine. Um, so, yeah. If you, if you support us on Patreon, uh, you will get access to the... the the Pastors Pub's closed Facebook group. We talk about life, spirituality, everything else. Our guest tonight is from the Pastors Pub. Yep. Um, K Mac. Yep. Old K- K- Kevin. Old K, K-, K- McDougs. K McDougs. <laughs> Kevin Dugs. McDougie Hauser, MD. <laughs> no. Things discussed in the pub this week. Uh, Fire Festival. So that that. <laughs> Dude, I watched both of the documentaries. The one on Net- I watched the one on Netflix. First of all, eat the rich. That is the first yeah. thing you take from that. Fuck every watching rich people get fucked out of their money was the greatest thing ever. Second, that I guy bad for like the locals that got fucked yes, out of their. Money. That guy should be in prison for the rest of his fucking life, and he's he got he like seven years because he's a privileged white man. But like, God, what a terrible person. I can't believe he got out and then immediately started conning. What a the same shit. people yeah. he started conning. What a dipshit! I di- I felt bad for his employees that got screwed. I got I felt bad for the locals that yeah. got screwed. What are you fucking doing? Let's Eat the rich by Aerosmith. God. Yeah, let's listen to a rich band sing a song called "Eat, Eat the, the Rich." rich. <laughs> Fuck you! Know my, uh, Turn favorite, it off. Motorhead. You know my motorhead. Favorite Aerosmith song. Motorhead has one called "Eat the Rich." Motorhead's Fucking terrible. Motorhead. Don't even at me. Motorhead is shit. Yeah, they pretty much are. So does Crocus. Hey, hey, I don't know anything by Motorhead. You, there's nothing to know. <laughs> Ace of Spades. That's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, okay, that one. Yeah. Uh, Trump declares national emergency. So. And then play, and then then tells people it wasn't really an emergency. He's a, he's a genius. Literally. He's so stupid. I didn't need Such to do a, this. God damn and then he went and played golf. There is nothing better than him without a teleprompter. Because oh. he, there is no filter whatsoever. Even with a teleprompter, he's like that. But with a teleprompter, he can at least sort of keep him on on task. But when he's just like vomiting and just spitballing on his own, the best is he will asking say questions. whatever. Yeah. Like I didn't even actually have to do this. I just wanted the wall built quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just played yourself. You every, and every fuck. every federal lawyer just went. Well, Jesus, what a goddamn idiot! Uh huh. 
on Chris Hansen. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. No, you're not. Yes, I am. All right. Um, I just blew myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grilled chicken versus fried chicken. Fried. How is this a question? I don't know. I feel like they're two different foods. They feel really different. Mm-hmm. No, nope, they're chicken. Grilled, no, grilled they're chicken. Really not. Kind of healthy for you. Yeah. Uh, fried chicken. Really. Yeah, fried, still the same. Fried chicken tastes way better. I I would agree. Like I I eat plenty of grilled chicken, but I mean yeah, if I, I had to, like death row meal, I'm not getting grilled chicken. Well, yeah, for sure. I'm not getting fried chicken either. I'm getting a goddamn steak. Well, but I mean, like, if somebody was and like, you can have grilled chicken shrimp, or fried chicken, I'm not choosing grilled for no. sure. Oh, no. Uh, Hillsong's statement about anti-LGBT uh, Was argument. not really a statement. Nope. Nope. <laughs> sure as fuck wasn't. Nope. So, fuck Hillsong into the but ground. But didn't I see... Chris Check. Pratt put out something too. Is is it not really the church he goes to? Is not, is it a Hillsong church or it's, not? It's uh, it's a Hillsong adjacent church. It is a Hillsong church, but it's not it's not named Hillsong it's Zoe or something like that. Yeah. So they believe the same shit. Okay. So. Yep. Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Bojangles drunkenly trolling you too. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Oh. Thanks, Love you, Brandon. buddy. Thanks for nothing, Brandon. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I love you. Brandon. I'm hanging up. So. <laughs> Of course. How <laughs> selfish of me. Let's do all the things that you want to do. Uh, oh, man. Uh, that's it. All right. Well. Yep. That's all we talked about in the pub. That was it. Yep. Five things. Five things. All week. Hey. Everybody's least favorite segment. This is the CCM Corner. We this should, is for the two of you that enjoy this. We should do this at the third just to, just to piss people <laughs> just off. Just a month. Let's see yeah. if we can get anybody to walk out. Yeah. They fly across country and walk out we, because we do a CCM corner. I am I am praying, praying, praying that we are going to have a live CCM corner that somebody plays special music for. So we'll see. We'll see, we'll see how it happens. Uh, One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, third day, consuming fire. Harmonics, baby. Uh, Six eight time. Uh, Mac Powell. Every, the poor man's Eddie Vedder. dance on the streets <laughs> that are golden. Sing it, everybody. This is so meaningful. It is. This is Sing it spiritually. This place on fire. This is what Eddie Vedder would sound like if he smoked eight packs a day. (laughs) Yeah, nobody else. Just show your servant favor. Nobody else. Fuck everybody else. (laughs) Yesterday was the day that I was alone. Now I'm in the presence of God. Because God is a commodity that comes and goes. Yeah. He was alone jerking off what he was doing. Don't you ever wonder if they still believe this shit? I don't they know. Do. They probably do. I don't they know, do. man. Like, no, these guys do. You think so? Yeah. They just tour this shit. Beth um, Pal, nice enough guy. Yeah, he is. Definitely looks like a youth minister. In this yeah, he does. Yeah, for for sure. I will say these guys are very nice. Yeah, there's we met nice. him, didn't we? I did. Yeah. I was doing a, I was like a backstage runner for them the last one time when they were in Bloomington. They are super nice. As far guys. as CCM, these guys knew what they were doing. I mean, yeah, you can't fall for that. They definitely weren't like rock star assholes. I no. will say that. 
I don't recognize him without his glasses. I don't He's got some baggy je- like jeans in here, like some He melts that cold heart. Melts that cold heart of stone, and yet there's still millions of sex slaves in the world. All about you, though. <laughs> yes, it is. It's all individuality, baby. Do you, know, you realize that inside you there's a flame? You know what I just realized this is? This is straight up us beavis and butt-heading. This, this, <laughs> yeah, totally. Is. I just realized that. We're totally beavis and butt-heading. Damn it, Pantera, this beer is warm! <laughs> you treat your stepmother's affection, Pantera! Uh, I bet that dad kicked his ass a lot. <laughs> I'll break it down. Here comes the big one. Oh, break it down. Solo, bitches. Now, I will say, Mac Pal, the goatee is definitely a minister, but you getting gross on facial hair. <laughs> it is not patchy at all. None of that David Crowder bullshit. <laughs> this is like a real thick... It looks like a horse horse with a beard. Yeah, (laughs) it's like a shaved bear. Shaved bear face. (laughs) He's not fucking around, man. Man. Guys are jamming out to their song in the ocean. With arms wide open. <laughs> my own prison. The next CCM corner we do is my own prison by Creed. I'm oh my god! Why have we not done Creed? They're not CCM. It's it's the hell they doesn't weren't. fucking matter. Bullshit. This isn't, a, this isn't a real Christian podcast. I listened so. to them in high school solely because of their Christian. Lyrics. Oh man, I I read. So I was visiting Beth when we were dating. I was sitting at Friendly's restaurant where she was working, yeah. reading Guitar World magazine, <laughs> and they mentioned my own prison. I literally left, yes. went to Walmart, and bought yes. the fucking album yeah. and listened oh, to it. Man. Oh my god! I had gosh. friends. I had like non-Christian friends in high school that wouldn't listen to them because their lyrics were such horseshit Christian yeah. stuff. Oh my god! And gosh. I was like eating it up. Oh, it was great. And that dude was like a massive alcoholic <laughs> and like just a train wreck. Just a total. What asshole. was the guitarist? Mark Tremonti? Yeah. Was that his name? <laughs> he put his Trivion. foot up on the. Oh, he yeah. was putting his foot up that's on the monitor. Yeah. What? I was thinking of Joey Trippi. No, that's Frank. <laughs> that's yeah. not a guitarist. What is his name? It's not. What, what Joey Trippi, Matt LeBlanc. No, the other, the guy from Mark Tremonti. Mark Tremonti. Mark Tremonti. Yeah, that's the guitarist. Right, yeah. And then Scott. He had a soul pass. Uh, Scott Stapp. Scott, Scott Stapp. Stapp. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway. Oh, boy. Lock up your fears, dry all your Jizz. tears, refill your fears, we're headed into the news feed. All right. All right. Uh, I got a couple of them. 
Okay, go ahead. Did you have any? I do, yeah. Oh, okay, well, you said earlier you didn't. Well, I, I have them. They're just not any good. <clears throat> uh, Massachusetts man. I got some really great ones. Naked man arrested at Planet Fitness tells police he thought Jim was a judgment-free zone. We've done uh, the story. Yeah, have we? we? I we did sure the story. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, well, I'll <laughs> do yep. another one then. Somebody put, uh, God, God damn it. Daniel Irwin posted the pub. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did fuck. that one. Yeah, right. we did. Well, this guy's an asshole. This lonely man tricked a couple into buying him a steak dinner for Valentine's Day. I saw this. At yeah. first, I thought this was funny, and then I was like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen Bonzer, Bonzer didn't touch. Never her. heard of her. Uh, pretended he didn't touch he anybody. Didn't he touch just anybody. by himself. Yeah. Uh, he touched himself. Be called the great ass. Santa chocolate. Sexual chocolate. Sexual chocolate. God, I love that scene so much. That <laughs> would good, mm-hmm, good and terrible. Eddie Murphy was a genius. Yeah, God, he was a His genius. His ability to do characters was Man. awesome. All right, uh, Stephen Bonser pretended to be stood up <clears throat> at an Outback Steakhouse all night, tweeting about it the entire evening to see if anybody would cover his 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 bill. Hmm. Wow. Uh, he's a twenty-seven-year-old technology salesman. So that means he works at fucking Best Buy. Um, Son of a shit snack and whore. Walked into a Outback Steakhouse with a shoddily wrapped present under his arm. His name was Stephen Bonzer, and he had made a reservation for two. Nothing to anyway. So somebody paid for his fucking meal. He said uh, he oh, sat down, and uh, he said he'd be in good company. But unfortunately, ten more minutes passed. Perhaps punctuality wasn't his date's strong suit. Uh, so after another 10 minutes went by, then another, he ordered steak with blue cheese crumbles and for some reason, not a blooming onion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he idled around doing what any of us would do if we were slowly realizing we'd been stood up, shoving loaves of bread and mac and cheese into his mouth. Oh man. Um, so the kitchen closes in a minute or so. So I had to order food. He said over the phone, I'm taking it. You're probably not going to make it. So he was like talking into his phone. Oh my gosh. The staff looked on, reportedly concerned. Wow. Finally, toward closing, an older couple walked up and told him not to worry. They'd already paid his check. Wow. What a fucking asshole. Well, good on them for. Yeah. Like, yeah, fuck that guy. You know, like at first I was like, oh, this is hilarious. And I was like, no, he's a terrible person. Yeah. Fuck you taking advantage of people's kindness. You know what? I hope he's relegated to fucking one of those ass mounts for the rest of his life. Yeah. That's what I hope. Yeah. God. Ugh. Note to self. Making love to blow up doll, not as good as advertised. Yeah. So yeah, he's a he's a terrible person. Uh, and then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, bomb threat was actually just a man announcing he had to drop a huge dump. Man, I you know, we've all been there. Kansas man uh, told two men in a Home was Depot bathroom. It's probably told tiny. two men in a Home Depot bathroom, y'all need to get out of here because I'm fixing to blow it up. We've done another story just like this, but I don't think it was a Home Depot. This is from like just this last yeah. week. This yeah. is an epidemic, guys. Uh, so this is me in any bookstore. This is me in any Starbucks when I'm mm-hmm. working. Like, oh man, I just obliterated uh-huh. one the other day. I did too. Um, yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing more satisfying than getting paid overtime to take a shit. Yep. Uh, so Saturday and Sunday poops are the best. At some point, at some point in our lives, we're all struck with the feeling that undeniable feeling of our guts rotting from the inside out. Uh, so this guy decided to go into a Wichita Home Depot bathroom, and he told them, "I'm going to blow this place up." Wow. So they reported it to security, who then called the police. So I mean, they're just doing their job. Well, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I 
But part of me goes, like, as another guy, you don't realize that what this guy is actually saying. Like, yeah, but anymore, man. I mean, I guess. Like, I, like, you can't joke about shit like that. Like, it's just, I mean, what the phrases we use are, I blew up the bathroom. Yeah. I annihilated that toilet. Yeah. Like, we use terms like that. I think like I've that. used phrases, I've destroyed it. it. Mm-hmm. Like, I destroyed it. Yes. I destroyed that bathroom. <laughs> the abomination that causes yeah. desolation. Yeah. Um, I went full Al-Qaeda in there. Yeah. <laughs> I blew up that BP station. Walk out of a Starbucks bathroom. I put a bomb in that toilet. <laughs> oh wait, is that not how we're supposed to do it? Um, I, re- I reconstructed the twin towers. Anyway, the good the good thing is he, the guy was like, I had no intention of causing alarm. He's like, it was just meant to be funny. So this, Home Depot is not pressing any charges. Yeah. So okay. it all ends fine. That's but, good. Yeah, but like, still. I guess watch your. It reminds me of uh, what was it Meet the Parents when he's on the plane. He starts talking about bombs. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's. right. That, that's kind of a good movie. I'm kind of fun. Yeah, it's I'm guessing fine. it doesn't hold up. Probably much, doesn't, but it's it's which movie? Meet the Parents. Oh. Ben Stiller, Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah, they really ran that into ran that into the ground. Mm-hmm. Meet the Fockers. Wasn't there a third one? Uh, yeah. yeah, I never saw more than the first one. Yeah, but I didn't either. I don't think you really needed to. Probably, probably not. Um, it's a lot of just waving your fingers from your eyes to the other person. <laughs> that's, the, that's the third movie. Just the whole time. Wait, what? Doing this. Uh, watching yeah. you sign, right. yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, from the uh, Huff Post, uh, for five thousand dollars, you can hunt Bigfoot with Jose Canseco. Ah, yes. I'm glad Is that one of yours? This. Yep. <laughs> Jose Canseco, yeah. uh, former baseball star, super superstar Jose Canseco, made his name hitting home runs. But his latest project is to pitch is a pitch to go Bigfoot hunting. The former MVP posted two tweets on Tuesday night, offering to take a few lucky people on an expedition tracking the mythical beast and quote a real alien. Uh, go on a Bigfoot and alien excursion with, this is the tweet, with Jose Canseco. Contact Morgan Management at 702-374-3735. So if anybody's interested. For, for a good time. For a good time. <laughs> you, can get, you can get anally probed. Come spend the, by Jose Canseco probably. Come spend the day with me and my alien buddies and I'll show you Bigfoot and a real alien. Um, wow. HuffPost called the listed phone number and received this text message. Spend the weekend with Jose for $5,000 cash. Cash. Good God. Cash. Hey, we're, we're doing a GoFundMe, right? Anybody that does this should be shot. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Pastors Podcast. Only five lucky individual lucky individuals will get a golden ticket. Oompa Loompas ain't got nothing on Bigfoot. This is the text that gets sent back if you call that number. Travel in his custom RV. <laughs> oh, yeah. To authentic alien What's sightings. What's the fuck wagon mean? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> God. Is- isn't there an own country? Nope. Um, <laughs> Quagmire's cross-country adventure. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there an own country? Nope. Uh, camp out in the wild. Tell stories and maybe meet a real Bigfoot. You won't. Uh, you never know what's going to happen with Mr. Conseco. Yeah, you do. In par- He's fucking crazy. You in parentheses. Bigfoot is what he calls would happen penis. with Gary Busey. Lines <laughs> of coke. That's what Walt is going to happen. In parentheses, food included. Uh, only serious inquiries, please. Yeah, I bet that's not happening. I want to see... Of, uh, I just want to see any sort of... I think, did I say this a couple episodes ago? A uh, 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 reality show with Jose Canseco and Gary Busey in a room together yeah. talking. That's oh, yeah. Because we, we had him, t- uh, Canseco, talking about the God. aliens gave him yeah. the secrets of time travel. Can we add Vern Troyer in there? Just, too? I, no, he's dead. He's dead. But, oh, the he's guy does. Vern Troyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, if that's not the hashtag, I quit. <laughs> I, I'm sure they would talk to him. He'd be there. Uh, anyway, I just <laughs> want to see them doing lines of coke and like just. Mountains of Molly. Like, that's what I want. <laughs> I want to see that, and I just want to see them talk to each other. 
the response said the first excursion was almost full. But there's only you're only inviting five fucking people. God. There's got to be five crazy people out there with five grand to spare. Um, yeah. Do you know what their uh, their theme song is? No, I don't either. <laughs> Did, God, Michael, way to follow through. Yeah, <laughs> I, I rearranged my my soundboard and everything's <laughs> gone. Oh, anyway, man. all right. Uh, Shut next. up and take my money. Exactly. <laughs> Where the fuck did that sound? It's that gone. Go? It's over. The moment's over. Move on. Matt, what else do you So have? maybe it's from uh, NBC. America, <laughs> yeah. That's what we waited for is the song yeah. we play every goddamn week anyway. Space Force, fuck America, yeah. fuck yeah. No, if you're with Jose Canseco, this is the song. Everyone has AIDS. Yeah. Michael Michael found his music tab. Found it. Oh my god, stop. (laughs) All right. All right, from uh, NBC4 Los Angeles. Uh, Humane Society rescues 84 cockatiels from an apartment. Wow, that's a lot of cockatiels. A lot of cockatiels. I bet there was a Uh lot of bird shit in that apartment. San Diego Humane Society sees more than 80 birds that were living in unsanitary conditions. Do you think? Good God. We had two parakeets as a kid, and our house was covered in shit. From a one-bedroom. You parakeets? Yeah. Yeah. My my dad gave mine pneumonia and killed it. Killed it. it. From a one-bedroom, Mike Daddy, a one-bedroom condominium <laughs> complex. Oh! When they arrived to the unit, the uh, to the unit located God, near I bet the, the smell. Yeah, <laughs> uh, located near the intersection of Bern- Bernardo Center Drive and Camino del Norte, which ah. means Camino of the North. Yes, it does. They found a it means Road of the Norte. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody listen to this fucking I podcast? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Brett's, Brett's done. He's <laughs> all right. I love that noise. So it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? Here's what I want to know: is <laughs> look, we. We always thought, like, oh, I should put that on my soundboard. What the fuck were you doing? We were like, I need a boat, a boat horn noise. It just came to me in Who a vision. Who thinks of that? Like, <laughs> we need an air horn, but an NBA style air horn. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Um. Anyway, there was a guy living in the apartment with eighty-four birds. Uh, dozens of birds are flying freely about the room. <laughs> What's his name? What's this guy's name? I don't know that it says. Um, uh, the apartment unit was covered in bird feces, and there was dust from oh, the birds. There was dust from the birds in the air. So this guy's breathing in bird shit, which is God. like not great. 
Crews wore masks as they used uh, nets to trap the birds. Could you imagine having to go in there and have to trap 80 fucking birds? God, that's crazy. What's his name? Billy and Farsi? <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Oh, my God. That was great. Uh, uh, you sold a dead bird to a blind kid? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Oh man! All the birds seized appeared to be healthy, including at least one that was a chick. So it was like it's seventy-nine bird gangbang. <laughs> wow. Well, yep. Where's William, where's William Hung when we need him? Oh man! Well, a seventy-nine bird gangbang isn't the uh, hashtag. Oh man! Um, yeah. Anyway. Situation wasn't healthy for the man that lived there because the conditions posed a risk for disease. Well, there's bird shit everywhere, so they didn't give the guy's name. Um, they're in the Humane Society's law enforcement team is investigating the case to determine if any charges will be recommended. It's probably just a lonely dude that got. I, don't I mean, know, man, like there's some serious psychological shit. Well, that's what going I'm saying. I don't know that it's, it's hoarding, but I don't know that it's criminal. I think there's just a lot of psychological shit going on. The guy needs it help. It should be criminal, clearly, well, unless he's like black market selling these things i, I mean, don't think so he's selling them to tyson for the <laughs> yeah, enjoy your chicken, chicken wings <laughs> <laughs> love me some cockatiel wings with barbecue sauce Ooh, hitting the nation in case anybody wonders what we're having at the uh, third anniversary a lot of cockatiel uh, a lot of cockatiel <laughs> barbecued cockatiel uh, that's all i got all right, Michael, what nine stories do you have this week? Um, okay, so... Um, I'm, I'm already logging them on Twitter, so... Jesus Will Christ. you fucking stop? God damn it. <laughs> it's just 150. I'm going to stop. Whatever you're typing, I'm going to stop. I need your full attention for this. This is important news, Brad. He's he's I'm, done. I'm this, about, is the, this is the worst he's been, and I couldn't tell you how long. Since Brandon was Jesus. on the podcast and we were all shit-faced for the... Oh, the Rusty Nail episode, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do we have any more Drambuie? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, it's a whiskey-based liqueur. <laughs> All right. This is... This is what Bender's Guys, drink. this is going to be... <laughs> this is a story we've told many times, but it's getting serious. <laughs> okay. um, so we've talked a lot about sex robots, right? Yeah. Like every well, other episode. There's a new fear besides, you know, the general use of the, the thing. Chewing your uh, dick off, basically, yeah. if it gets stuck. But the, the new fear is that uh, that people will hack them, uh, sex robots, and they, they could murder people. So, um, Pretty sure I could overcome a robot. Sex robots could yeah. be hijacked. Well, not if you're, you know, in your most vulnerable position. <laughs> Just like not if your balls deep. <laughs> They just clamp down and, and somehow it rotates and twists. Oh, it's caught in her larynx. No, deep throat. Let go. Let go. <laughs> so artificial intelligence researchers have consistently warned of the security risk posed by Internet connected robots, mainly because if it's artificial intelligent, it can. You're basically turning it into a slave, a sex slave. And... If it's artificially intelligent, it's going to realize that. We should have an episode on the ethics of sex robots. I mean, that's every episode, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, yeah. it does kind of feel like this is where, like, 
our culture is headed though. Like, yeah, definitely feels like it's headed to more sex with robots, less sex with actual humans, and that's a little bit problematic in a number of ways. Well, population <clears throat> control. Well, yeah, I guess. Until you start getting robots pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, until they turn on you and try and twist your dick off. <laughs> there is that, too. Why does it hurt when I she fucked a sex robot. Like, injected you with shitloads of electricity. <laughs> it gave you a virus. Like, what, <laughs> what if you don't clean it out enough and get short circuits? It, well... <laughs> It gave you that goddamn virus they used in Independence Day to kill the aliens. You got Jeff Goldblumed. You got Jeff Goldblum's STD. <laughs> you got Jeff Goldblum's soldier. soldier. Welcome to Earth. Oh. Anyway, so if it's connected to the internet, hackers can hack into the robot, just like they can with like those cameras and shit. Um, have con- full control of the connections, the arms, the legs, any other attached tools. Uh, like, wait, wait, any other attached, attached tools? tools? Yeah. What the hell oh my God. are like, you doing? Like in some cases, knives are welding devices. Why would you do that to a sex robot? Hmm. Well, some, some people real, like dangerous, I guess. Real kinky shit. Um. So often these these Put this welding mask on. Don't ask questions. Often these robots can be upwards of two hundred pounds and very strong. I mean, they gotta be pretty durable. Um, once a robot is hacked, the hacker has full control and can issue instructions to the robot. The last thing you want is for the hacker to have control over these robots. Once hacked, they could actually uh, they could absolutely be used to perform physical actions. For I the have never scenario. thought about. A sex robot getting hacked before, but I guess that makes a lot of sense. Anything yeah. with, a, with a board it's can get hacked. It's it's so, um, so now they're you know trying to. Uh, oh, so researchers have already discovered um, security flaws in Bluetooth, Bluetooth enabled sex toys. Here's the question, though, like. Who's spending their time hacking that shit? Oh, there's some. And like, why say. though? Like, there's because you're bored. Of all the things you could hack, why you're yeah, trying to hack because a you're bored of shit. Toy. Like, like, why not? not? Yeah, especially if you're like a 13 year old kid. Like, oh, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make that butt plug go off in the middle of the night. Can't wait. Why do you have a butt plug in in the middle of the night, Michael? <laughs> Your neighbor's Michael. Butt plug. Why do Why do you have a butt not? plug? No, I didn't say it was in. I mean, it could be. None of your business. What I do in my free time does not concern you. It's a free country. Mother of God. Uh, Will you stop typing? I'm not. Quit putting shit on Twitter. I'm not. Yeah, you fucking are. No, God damn it. I'm not. Don't worry what are about you, it. What are you doing? Can we pause so he can what just put all this shit on Twitter no, so we can fine. do the Go podcast? Ahead, keep talking. I'm listening. Doing? Nothing. I'm listening. What are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? <laughs> but seriously, what are you doing? I'm not doing it. He's <laughs> just a fucking liar. <laughs> Um, so they did a test. The Los Angeles Times did a, um, a, a survey, if you will, um, of the ultimate, uh, official fast food fry power rankings. McDonald's. Uh, I was going to say, if that's not number one, get out of my face. Well, All okay. Right. Here, top three. Top three so, for everybody. Okay. okay. So top three. Top three, Michael. Let me tell you how, okay, they, let me tell you how they base it. Mm. Um, All right. the... The there it's like a, a, a diagram of uh, 
worse taste and worse texture, and then it goes up to better texture and better taste. Okay. So texture and so taste like are the two. So like how I would rank it. Yeah. So go ahead. <laughs> right, yeah. All right, Brad. Uh, okay, top three. Number three, Wendy's. Mm-hmm. Number two, Arby's Curly Fries. Wendy's with a Frosty. <clears throat> no, that's not. No. That doesn't factor into the equation. That's We're just talking completely straight different. Fries, straight not fries. your weird fetish with <clears throat> And then one, McDonald's. What was the second one? Uh, Arby's Curly Fries. Uh, okay. Really? They're, I mean, oh, they're good. God, they're the shit. Uh, number three, uh, Steak and Shake. Their fries. Mm-hmm. I like their fries right. a lot. Okay. It's just because they're, the they're different. They're to, different. You have to get those when they're hot. Though, <clears> oh, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, warm, I eat those right away. Okay, so I worked at Steak and Shake in high school. Like, we could only let those sit for five minutes before we yeah. had to throw them out. Yeah. Because they, they once do. they get in there, mm-hmm. just crap once they get So I will say Steak and Shake fries, number two, <clears> Wendy's, number one, McDonald's. Michael? Hmm. There may be some. I do like Wendy's. Wendy's. They are good. Wendy's is probably one. Um, really, number one, yeah, more than McDonald's. McDonald's is probably number really? two, and then I'll probably give Chick Fil A the waffle fries. Number, man, those are pretty good. Three. Those can be pretty good. Oh yeah, those man, those are yeah. Good. yeah. They have the good texture. You know what? I'm a, I'm gonna back out of steak and shake. I'm gonna go waffle fries at Chick Fil A. Those are those are pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they make my top three, but those are pretty good. Yeah, those are pretty good. All right, uh, number one uh, with an asterisk because um, it's far and away the best. Uh, according to the survey, um, is Five Guys. I've never had Five Guys. Yeah, I haven't had Five Guys. I've cool. never even been there. Ever. I haven't yeah. either. It's, 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 I know. They're I've, everywhere. They've been there forever, and yeah. I just, yeah. I've heard um, their fries are awesome. Though. Yeah, and they give you tons of fries. Really? Yeah. Well, time to get to Five Guys. Yeah, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> I'm uh, working <laughs> after work. <laughs> uh, number two, um, McDonald's. <clears throat> number three. Del Taco. What? I know. Do we have any? Where the fuck is a Del Taco? I don't, I don't know. Southern California. No, I'm serious. Where did you? Southern e- California. Oh, this isn't your list. No, this isn't my oh, list. Okay. Oh, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. Okay, I was confused. No. Okay. Overall, it's five guys. Uh, there's Del Tacos in Indy. Really? There's three of them. Are you serious? Uh, well, no, one of them says Rio Tacos. That's not the fucking <sighs> same thing. No. Del Taco. El Rey man. Del Taco. Uh, these aren't Del Tacos. No. Okay. Number no. four, Steak and Shake, five Arby's. Six Carl's Jr., which is Hardy's. oh, those are all right. Eh, they're, they're all right. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, uh, me and Hardy's is a very I like, underrated. I like Hardy's. I don't eat there very often. Their burgers are freaking good. Yeah, man. Hardy's has gotten. They've done some good work. I can say that. Uh, number seven, uh, Dairy Queen. Uh, eight is Wendy's. That seems way too low. That's way low for Wendy's. Those are good. Nine Shake Shack. Ten Burger King. Eleven Chick Fil A. Of KFC. I'm going to get to the worst. So the worst rankings. Well, how many are there? There's a bunch. Oh, okay. Uh, there's 19. <laughs> so the worst overall is uh, In-N-Out. Really? That's 19th. Wow, I'm amazed. 10 is so the one on cameras? Uh, <laughs> 18 is Sonic. <laughs> 17 is Rallies. Oh, Rallies are good. Yeah. I man. think I've had Rallies. I it's think Rallies are pretty years, good. It's been a while. Man, those, I remember those being really good. No, I, haven't, <clears> I, don't, I don't remember. So that's that. Well, there then, you go. Uh, if you're looking for a place to get uh, your nails and spa done, there is a new store opening up uh, in Sandusky, Ohio. Oh boy! It's Remember Tommy Boy? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, that's right. Is it? Sandusky? Is it? Yeah. yeah, it was Tommy yeah. Boy. Yeah. Um, so 
Dawn Moon has spent the last decade dreaming of opening up her own salon after getting licensed as a nail technician. Um, but just as her dreams probably took dream like 10 minutes, right? is starting to come true, uh, Moon's storefront in Sandusky, Ohio is causing some controversy because of the suggestive name. It's called Hand Jobs Nail Salon. Are Hand Jobs Nail and me? Spa. No way. I've had this idea for 10 years. Oh, God. Well, it's a play on words. But really, yeah, is it exactly really, Michael? Oh, really? It's exactly what I'm we confused. do. I'm confused. What do you mean? Human kindness. What the hell are people thinking, she said? That it's a hand job place? Hmm. Yep. Well, hand jobs, nails, and spa. Stop. <laughs> penis can only get so erect. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. All right. All right. Well, there you go. Well, that was fun. <laughs> great story, Michael. I just wanted to talk about hand jobs. That's great. That's wonderful. What's the deal with hand jobs? <laughs> God. It's like the worst Seinfeld bit ever. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, it's a job, but it doesn't feel like work. God. All right. What's next? That's it. That's all we got. Um, all right. Well, let's go further up, further in after we're done talking about hand jobs. Yeah, I think we are. All right. All right. Hey, did you hear about the restaurant they're going to put on the moon? Oh, God. No, are we doing this shit again? Why? They're going to put a restaurant on the moon. What's just it it's got great. Food. It's got great food. Just there's, say the fucking is it, is it Great food. Shop? It's great food. There's just no atmosphere. <laughs> Somebody likes my. By the way, there's a couple people that do like my dad jokes. No, they, so. no, they don't. God God it. No. Is it Twitter feedback this week? Fucking no, God, please no. I'm embracing it. Fucking thing sucks. That's fine. It's a terrible joke. I like it though. It's fun. God damn it! What is what see, is this new bit? See, this is <laughs> I don't understand this it's new just bit. A, it's do just you, to fucking irritate both of you. Do you know what that's the, the only thing it is? Means? It's it's just to irritate the two of you. You see, it's funny because atmosphere. It's a double meaning. Yeah, there's no atmosphere on the moon, Brad. And atmosphere in a restaurant. It's just to irritate the shit out of both of you because now you fucking hate it. So well, it works. Yep. Good. All right. Shut the fuck up. I think we've entered into the Brad is. A uh, raging asshole phase of his yes. drunkenness. So, can we move on now? Before I fucking punch him in the face? <laughs> Do you understand the words that are coming it, out of my it, mouth? Because it doesn't get aimed at anybody else but me. It's only Ever. You. It's literally for it's years. Very it's true. only me. 100%. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ on a cross, man. He's not still there. He's alive. <laughs> God's not dead. He's, He's surely alive. on the inside. <laughs> you know, this is roaring on the inside. He's a consuming fire. Oh, God. Everybody hates Dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's do this shit. Further up yeah. yeah. Kevin McDougall is a producer and one of the hosts of the airing of Grief. Kegan, mm. Kevin Kegan. Kevin. Kevin. Kevin is a writer. K Mac. A musician and former college pastor. 
He's a vegan, a Ravenclaw, an INFJ, and a and the Ford fourth W5. member of DC Talk. They kicked him out for alcoholism. Yes. Um, <laughs> we asked him to come on the show to share his story and to talk about some of the big changes ahead in season three of The Hearing of Grief. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. It's, it's not at all. Yes, it is. Can we? Can I? Can I stop now? Can we talk to Kevin? Yes. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. Uh, Kevin Maxsmith wouldn't let him in because his name was similar. Kevin. <laughs> Look what you did, you little jerk! <laughs> room for one K Max, right? All right, here we go. Kevin, here we go. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin McDougal, are you there? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, Brad! Brad. I, really, mom? Mom? <laughs> Mom's calling now. I'm not cutting. I'm not <laughs> editing this literally out. Literally start the podcast. My God, she she's had all day. She has had all day to call me. I'm next, probably. She knows. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Hi. It's good. I'm uh, I'm drinking a coffee, and then when you the first time you ask me something depressing, I'm switching to beer. Okay. <laughs> what what kind of coffee are you drinking? Iced coffee. Ooh. Hey, Kevin, are you still a Christian? I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, pouring the beer. <laughs> pouring the beer. <laughs> Sierra Nevada Brute IPA. Oh, nice. <laughs> Ice coffee from any specific kind? Or are you it's like oh, Maxwell House? I made, I made it. It's a local <laughs> Maxwell House. You grew it yourself. It's Sanka. Sanka. It. Is it? Is it from uh, Barista Parlor? Or? Yes. Oh, you it know is? about that. Is it actually from Barista Parlor? No, it's not. But um, <laughs> that's a local thing. Yeah, yeah I know. for sure. Yeah. I, I know them. It's from Honky Tonk Coffee Company in Nashville, <laughs> <Yeah>. Tennessee. <laughs> they sell leather boots and coffee. Yep. <laughs> and hats. Yep. Lots yeah. of hats. Lots of hats. Three pairs for the price of two. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of assless chaps. Not sure why, but... I can see we're going to get a long way in this interview tonight. <laughs> um, so <laughs> He knew the risk going in. <laughs> I knew <laughs> So Kevin has been on the podcast uh, before on episode 111, 111. Yeah. Um, but uh, with three other people to promote your your podcast, the airing of grief, um, we really didn't go in depth with your story. And uh, since you were, and since you were on the first time, we we've gotten to know you a little bit better through the Pastors Pub, uh, through just DMs and stuff. Um, um, and, and I, th- I wanted to talk about your, your story. So, and, and who you think you are. So who do you think you are? <laughs> Just who do you think you are? <laughs> what gives you the right? Well, as, as a, I know it's your favorite topic, but as an Enneagram four, I don't think I'm anybody. Uh, I think I'm whatever you think I am, which you, is my problem in life. So <laughs> you are the wind, Kevin. I am. I'm like the wind. Yes. Um, where do you want me to start? Um, the talk, the talk, Ruach McDougal. Talk, let's talk about the night you were conceived. Okay. <laughs> it was I a know, dark and rainy night. I know it was the only, like, my dad was on tour with Daniel Amos, because that was one of the big Christian bands he was in back then. And my mom was on that leg of the tour, and they know the night I was conceived, because it was the only night they had sex for, like, months on end. <laughs> so. Well, I didn't expect you to actually have an answer to that. So oh, I've got an anecdote for everything. Your dad was a CCM guy? Yes. Okay. Um, my dad was part of the formation of CCM. That's actually huh. a pretty good, good, uh, decent place to start. Yep. Um, 
My dad and mom met at Calvary Chapel uh, out in Costa Mesa where uh-huh. the the start of that whole movement was with the whole Jesus movement thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they, uh, they, I guess, dated, got married. He adopted my older sister and they were together for not too long because um, they divorced when I was two. But he had been he had been super involved with the formation of CCM, uh, played with Larry Norman, Randy Stonehill. Uh, oh. These are big names for yeah. people who yes. know and care oh, about sure. all that stuff. So, does, he, does he know uh, Edward DeGarmo? Has he heard of that guy? Yeah, Eddie DeGarmo. <laughs> yeah. And somebody key. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Actually, Eddie DeGarmo used to live three houses down from us in Franklin when he first moved out here. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I've, I've met Eddie DeGarmo several times. So. He, very cool. He's, he is, <laughs> is, is it? He I is love that you very cool with a laugh. That's, is that is that where we land on that? Yeah, camera? that's my street cred. I know Eddie DeGarmo. No, I, I mean, don't know him. He he can point me out. In a this is a deep there. cut podcast. If we're talking about Eddie DeGarmo, at yeah. least nobody gives this a shit about This is our first Kino. Eddie DeGarmo uh, podcast <laughs> a reference. Um, so yeah, I was raised in the church though, in in kind of like two different factions, just in the sense that my parents had split, and then my mom remarried a fa- uh, into a family that was. Church of Christ. So part of my formative years were in a church with no instruments. And uh, my dad was going to various Southern California churches at that point. So we were doing the whole Calvary Chapel, early Saddleback, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a very good sampling of church in general, at least Protestantism growing up, because then we moved out here and we were part of uh, Brentwood Bethel, not Reading Bethel, but... uh, uh, and then uh, new songs, so like these more charismatic churches that were bringing in British worship leaders to really get the spirit going. Yes. And <laughs> prophetically. So, yes. And we we visited the Toronto Airport Vineyard Christian Fellowship when that was at its height. Uh, someone fell down next to me and puked, and I barely avoided getting it on my shoe. Ugh. All all for the Nothing Lord. Like puking um, in the spirit, baby. Yeah. And of course, laughter and animal noises and I don't know, experienced a lot of that stuff. When I got to the end of high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was living in Northern California where my mom was at this point. And I knew that I didn't like school very much. I knew that I didn't want to start racking up debt when I was bored enough in high school. And so I thought I'll take a year off. And then uh, the guy that ran the media ministry at my uncle's church up in Chico, California, that Calvary, um, died in a car accident. And so uh-huh. they asked me to take a job, uh, doing, you know, CDs and editing radio show and doing sound and all that stuff. So, um, right out of high school and even before I, I left immediately, I was doing that and that became me doing sound and then making some suggestions for some of the music and then being asked to join and then leading the majority of the music and then starting a college fellowship in 2001 and um, being a pastoral intern and being ordained in 2005. And uh, I led I led that ministry for eight-ish years um, and then wow. left in 2008 um, at the, sort of the height of its success. We had like 300 people regularly every Sunday, and but I left, I left it uh, in 2008. Wow. Why did you leave it? I guess that's the question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's that's a really hard. I mean, there's so many dimensions to that question, and you guys all know that oh. sometimes you'll tell a, it's it's no less true, but you'll tell a different dimension of that story every mm-hmm, time right. it comes yeah. up. Absolutely. Um, the main abiding reason, though, was that I had a 
sense that I was about to be witch hunted and put under church discipline, quote unquote. Ah, neat. Um, oh, <laughs> sounds very familiar. And I had I had no desire. I, I really got the didn't old, care. Got the old, can I see you in my office email? Yeah. yeah. And I actually had been cornered in my office uh, a couple months prior by the senior or the associate pastor who said some really stupid things. And I was just like, okay, the elders are in on this. This is this is going to go down because they had been showing up to our services for the first time, like watching things. Um, because it's a, it's a big church, over a thousand attendants every Sunday in just adults. And um, and then, you know, we were doing a Sunday night ministry that was, you know, like I said, about 300 people. But they were mostly people that didn't go to the church other than to the college ministry. And the elders sort of perceived that as a threat, as a competition, because they weren't doing the main service thing. Um, I... Uh, <laughs> God I really should it. have switched to beer already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's about um, that time, buddy. I'm pounding whiskey as you speak. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Oh God, that's wonderful. Um, so, so I had this sense that that it was going to get ugly, and as much as I didn't really care what the elders thought, and I hadn't been purposefully hateful or divisive or anything, I was just content for us to do our thing our way and them to do their thing their way, but. I was, you know, I was becoming affirming. That was one of the first things. And I was, um, I was definitely becoming more of a universalist. I was, uh, I had sort of shed the idol of inerrancy. Uh, I was seeing the Bible through the lens of Jesus and, uh, I'd stopped doing altar calls. And when pressed on why I wasn't doing that anymore, I had said that those were an invention of the big tent revivals of, of, uh, the civil war era and they were not binding for all time. And that Jesus told <laughs> us to make disciples and not converts. And that didn't go over well. My God, um, you monster. <laughs> Speaking of big tent revival. So do you want to move to Indiana? We can try starting a church again. <laughs> Uh, I just saw that Facebook thing. Whoever it was bumped that old ass thread when you did it. <laughs> Freaking so, Dan. God, Dan! God damn it, Dan, Dan Summers! I ended up erasing it because I don't want other people getting into that. I got notifications it. all day long <laughs> because people from the pub kept entering into that goddamn conversation. Oh, fucking <laughs> Romanians. Gosh. Nothing changes. And then distant relatives are like, "Oh, they've come back to the Lord." Right? Yeah. <laughs> come yeah. back to the heart of worship, my friend. <laughs> It's all about you. So, so yeah, at that point, I, I didn't have any problem with, with Jesus or my faith or anything like that. I just felt like I, I knew I was changing, and I knew that if they witch hunted me, I was going to be cast out or, you know, everybody that I was uh, sort of overseeing was going to see that ugly thing that happens in churches, and I didn't want that to happen. So I just made it a positive thing and said I was going to move uh, because I wanted to. And I was being called, you know, across the country. So <laughs> you heard the word. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and so we moved in in mid two thousand eight. And uh, who, who's I, we? My wife, myself, my um, my brother, his wife, my sister, her husband, um, their three kids, and oh, then our um, and then our one other guy who was our guitarist. So because the three of us, the four of us were like the house band and we were moving out here to record. So that was one of the things that, you know, we're going to build a studio and do an album, which you've heard. Um, that so that was like the, a very dangerous caravan. Yeah. I'm very worried about that caravan. <laughs> Loaded up the family truckster. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, it, and it was meant to be a four day trip. It took six days because the <laughs> truck we rented from Penske kept breaking down and it was it was awful. Like everything, everything was awful because I left like the most beautiful and wonderful thing that I'd ever been a part of yeah. uh, by choice. And I remember that like the night we got to Nashville, we got our car off of the trailer and 
drove to the nearest store we could find and we couldn't find any store in our own town. So we drove to the next town over, which I was familiar with because I had I'd lived here as a kid and went to Walmart and I'm in the aisle and they didn't carry our coffee um, and they didn't carry our popcorn. And then huh. uh, and when they didn't carry our popcorn, like the one that I always got, I sat down in the aisle and cried like I couldn't handle it. I just shut down. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny thinking back on that now, but it was less funny then. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's how, that's what got me out here and what, you know, ultimately I started a, a Tuesday night group where we would um, do kind of a weekly feast and and something something of a Bible study. But we could also do whatever and just talk and do nothing if we wanted. It was never any trip. Um, and and that that led to me meeting John, which um, which actually actually uh, ended up connecting me to Derek and Jamie. And that's how we all ended up meeting. But um that's been, you know, 10 years at this point. So not since I met all them, but since everything right. was set in motion. Um, the, the thing that really changed all that for me, though, like, the, you know, when people ask, well, what was the catalyst? And we kind of dealt with this near the end of uh, season two in the airing of grief where we shared some of that for us. But uh, while I was already pastoring and everything was just I was just disenchanted with everything um, and I'd been a Christian my whole life, but. I kind of met Jesus for the first time in 2004 and suddenly it was like everything was different yeah. and in a way I couldn't describe, but i I felt for the first time like love was all that mattered. And, and what that led to though, that was awkward was that every time I t- tried to trace the thread of, well, how can this, how can I, how can I chase this down in a way that's tangible and that manifests the kingdom, quote unquote, uh, I was unable to run from that becoming a justice, the justice issue, whether it had to do with, um, like I said, being affirming or especially as I looked, um, into the history of race in America and that, you know, it's like you end up in a scenario where you're sharing something that's literally in the Bible and people think this must be heresy because it's (laughs) not, you know, and it's like all you're, all I'm doing is what you told me to do. Um, but it's like every time it's the justice narrative instead of, some stupid thing about hating yourself and needing blood to be forgiven. Um, people just can't, I don't know, they can't ride with you that far. And so you yeah. become a threat. You're, you're encouraged your entire life as a male Christian to be strong and to be courageous and to be, you know, all these things. And then as soon as you do that, like as soon as you walk that road on behalf of other people, on behalf of the voiceless or those on the margins, then you, you're like, it's like simmer down. And you're, it's like, but this is what's actually requiring strength and courage from me for the first time. It doesn't require strength and courage to be like Mark Driscoll, like some sort of, you know, just dumb asshole about everything. That's like, (laughs) but it does, it does require courage to be, um, you know, to sort of cast your lot with the people who aren't getting a fair shake. And, and I guess that's always been the case. Um, and that's, that's always been the case historically in, in, in religion, but what, what I guess as that develops, and that's that's more like what's happened over the past 10 years as, a, as opposed to the first 10, but as that develops, you just start having a problem with everything. At least in my case, it's like I just couldn't reconcile prayer with anything I understood yeah. Jesus mm-hmm. to be. Right. Um, because I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking like God is in essence love. God shows no favor or partiality to anybody. And yet we pray and ask for things to change or to be helped. Like maybe if we make enough of a display, God will move. And it's just incompatible. 
And it's one thing when the Old Testament says stuff like that, when you disagree with uh, what what the Old Testament has to say about God. But it's much harder when you start finding that you're disagreeing with Jesus about things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so much harder to to maintain kind of that that entire view when when you're like, well, this was all I had left. Like he was all that was standing in the smithereens of the first dismantling and deconstruction of everything. <laughs> and then I find like, I find Jesus optimism unrealistic, you know, and, uh, and it wasn't that I didn't try or didn't believe as hard as possible, but the scariest thing for me in my life in de- in deconstruction in that whole process was the realization that I had lost a foregone conclusion that everything was going to be okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I can, I can understand that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you, I mean, you, you said that, like in 2004, you met Jesus for the first time. I mean, I think Brad and I especially can relate to that. That was right around the time we did too. Yeah, me too. Um, and yeah, blue I like mean, jazz, man. Yeah, yeah. Ours was more Rob Bell. But yeah, blue like jazz was really good. That was yeah. That was all good. the same time. Like, <clears throat> yeah, like I, jazz, well, I Rob went. Bell, I went Shane from Cleveland. Donald Miller. Yeah, I went from Donald Miller to um, to uh, Brian McLaren to Rob Bell to Shane Claiborne. I mean, it was the same. Yeah, yeah. Same. yeah the problem was when right. I started reading yeah. like more women and more black people that it was like, oh, this is harder. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. yeah, right. <laughs> was but was there, you know, what? How long of a process was that for you? I know for Brad and I, I mean, I can speak for the two of us. That was like a ten. I mean, you say you talk, you you you, be, you became more affirming. You started looking at justice issues, and that that was more of a like we met Jesus, but then it took like a long time to sort of unlearn mm-hmm. like all the shit that we had been. Brought up I with? think I think there's still a lot of stuff I'm unlearning. Oh, I think so yeah, too. Yeah. Like when it, yeah. like I there's times where I see stuff about race or about women. I'm like, oh shit! Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. the asshole. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and that's really, I mean, even now it's still really, you know, it throws your equilibrium off. Uh-huh. You know, totally. I mean, I still there's still certain things that I go, oh god. Like, I mean. It, 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 one thing that it, you know, I think years ago I would have been like, I'm colorblind. And then I realized that I'm totally not because A, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Howard Schultz. That's bullshit. Um, like, nobody's colorblind. Like, that's not the point. And, like, there was just a lot of stuff that, like, even now I'll, I'll look at, I'll read certain things and I have this reaction. I'm like, that's probably not the best reaction. Mm-hmm. Maybe my reaction should be to shut up and listen for a minute mm-hmm. yeah. on women's right. issues, sure, on yeah. issues of people of color and like different things. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so that is a very um, disorienting, even to this day can be a very disorienting experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, I, and I guess my question is, you know, how long of a process was that for you? Like I said, for us, it was probably a good 10 years easily before we mm-hmm. finally got around yeah, to easily. where we are at this point. Mm-hmm. It mean, was ten years. I know at least with with being affirming, affirming it was like it was probably ten years between. I'm not sure the church really gets this. Yeah. to affirming. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we shouldn't hate gay people. It was from that until I was like, oh, maybe <laughs> right. there's actually nothing wrong with them. Yeah. you know what I mean. Right. Like so. <laughs> yeah, it's all a process when you're under that paradigm, and yes. it takes everybody's. Everybody might visit the same exact, like, go on the same journey ultimately and visit all the same towns, but they might visit them in a different order. Like, I de- when you deconstruct, most people deconstruct things like inerrancy, things like um, yeah. 
you know, the LGBTQ spectrum, things like that. And and for me, I saved um, hell and damnation kind of for last, not because I didn't know that it was going to go. I knew that it was going to topple like everything else, uh-huh. but I was almost like savoring it. Like I couldn't wait to get to that and be like, bullshit, hell, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh-huh. yeah, it was a long, long process. And when I was in the when I was in the ministry week to week, it was much slower because everything that I was coming to realize I had to be able to digest in a way that I could share with other people. And even if you're not changing at all and you're not in some major process, when you are in a, like the role of teaching in the pastorate, uh, you don't have much, you know, because everything that is that you're thinking and feeling you are sort of dishing out for other people and trying to communicate about. So, but when I, but when we moved, so Four years after it started, when we moved, I remember feeling like I went through more obvious apparent outward change in the first three or four months than I had in three or four years prior. Sure. You know, and, and I made I made a, a specific effort when we moved. I thought I need to get involved politically. I need to stop pretending like love has this incredible dimension where we only talk about it in nebulous terms at church and it doesn't have anything to do with justice and, and you know, social issues and politics. Right. Like I realized because of Jesus, all those things were integrated. And so, um, you know, and so that I needed to be engaged in the political life because that was the paradigm of my country that I had been handed. And uh, but but in doing so, like I tried to be a good Christian boy even at that point. And I thought, I'll hear everybody out. So when we moved, I started listening to talk radio in the car while I'd wait for Kristen to, uh, her job always lasted longer than mine. And so I, like every day for a few weeks, I was just listening to Michael Savage and Glenn Beck and, um, all of these terrible people. And, and I was trying to give them a fair shake. I was trying to give them a shot. I was, I was thinking, you know, like I'd been raised to think, you know, liberals have good hearts, but conservatives really think about things. And I found, that to be, there was never anything that was more the backwards from the truth yep. than that sentiment, because because conservatives were all about their feelsies and they were just spewing like fear <laughs> and hatred, and and everything all and so everything that I was hearing in talk radio drove me to Wikipedia articles, it drove me to YouTube videos, it drove me to watching documentaries really hard for the first time, it drove me to reading more, and the more conservatives I listened to, the more liberal I got. Yep. Um, and it was it wasn't because I had some laundry list of of amazing liberal thinkers that I had been exposed to or had someone hand me here read these people. I had to find them. They you know I always say when people are like oh the liberal media I, I make that exact challenge. I'm like okay I'm gonna name a famous conservative voice with millions of followers. You're gonna name a liberal one and we'll see who runs out first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about you know the airwaves being dominated by you know, by liberals in that sense, because it's a, it's a myth, like so many other things, but you know, that's what changed. That's what changed, uh, there at least specifically for me, but that was, you know, the, that next couple years. And, um, as soon as I moved, I remember arguing on the phone and an email with, with different friends because California was going over prop eight, which had to do with the legalization of gay marriage there before the Supreme court had made a decision and, uh, and feeling free to just be like, I don't, I don't even know what you're concerned about, (laughs) you know, for the first time. Um, because I wasn't going to get fired if I said that, um, which Isn't is also a mess. 
It's so <laughs> that good. great feeling when so good. when you realize that your paycheck isn't tied up to oh god your opinions your opinions it really mm-hmm. is and you can just say whatever that's you the want. definition of freedom kids yeah. <laughs> freedom yeah. isn't free <laughs> um, so the answer to the overall answer I guess to your question would be fifteen years because that's that's yeah. how long it's been since I woke up and it's definitely still an ongoing process um, and when we started the airing of grief it was a a first season that just came to us because Derek was engaging his fan base and doing something that no artist I've ever seen has ever done. Uh, but then when we got together as a team, we were like, if we're going to make this and shape this into a thing, we really need to have some ground rules. And one of those needs to be that we don't want to replicate church in that it's all, you know, completely dominated in the, the stories we share, um, by white males. Yeah. And yeah. And, and as early as, I mean, the season one ran from the fall of 2017 to the spring of 2017. And as early as when we met before Christmas, like mid December, I was, I had come to the others when we met together and I was like, I have very few women to even spread out throughout this season. They're all of the the best stories that we have, but I can't even put one in every episode. And Jamie really graciously was like, well, that's okay. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's just that, um, that men need it more because they're so shut down that they don't do this with their own friends the way a lot of women learn to actually communicate. And, but then by the end of this season, she came to us and was like, guys, I can't do this. Like, I don't even see myself in this podcast anymore. Um, which was, you know, over a course of three months, that was how much, like by the end of that season, she was having a harder time with it. And anyway, that was what changed our whole direction into season two, which was that we were going to try to amplify the margins. And then of course we caught some flack for that. Um, which <laughs> happened that it happened the night uh my wife went into labor with our baby <laughs> we we released episode one and we were trying to just be transparent and and Derek was being like a champion he's like you know what uh this wasn't the most comfortable conversation but just to show we're learning and that it's okay like we're dealing with our own fragility stuff like that let's go ahead and air it and people will be cool and they were not cool <laughs> no. like and and the funniest thing about it is that the most angry folks about it tended to be white male Twitter. Oh my um, God, no way! <laughs> You're kidding! Bullshit! White males? White, white male woke Twitter, but man, uh, they are the fucking worst. I'm just gonna say it. They're the second fucking worst after husband fast or husband father pastor Twitter. Oh but, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but no, it was like because because we weren't even allowed to show that process that it was something we were willing to show. That some of us, you know, were, were in process on and that we were learning, you know, to, to do it. But then we got all this stuff. It's like, you know, the marginalized don't owe you their stories. And so that's very true, you know, like but but we weren't coming at it from the place of like, like I have I like this pastor friend I know just yesterday was like he was he'd put a thread up about white privilege. And then when his racist white friends were saying bullshit to him about it, he was like he tagged all the handful of people of color that he knows and was like, teach us. Oh, and it was no. like, oh. you asshole. Like, you know, people of color don't want to be your school teacher just because exactly. you're too gutless to take a stance. They would like to see us arguing and teaching each other so that they don't have to bear the second emotional burden. It's like, I get all that and I agree with all that, but but there was a misunderstanding from a lot of people when season two started of what yeah. the airing of grief was. We weren't asking people to teach us. We were just asking, we were just trying to ensure that when we say what's been your story, what's been your trauma with evangel- uh, evangelicalism and and where has that left you? We wanted to make sure we were fairly representing the spectrum of voices yeah. in a way that church didn't. And so 
you know, and looking for diversity along those lines, we weren't asking for people to, to bear any, any weight that we weren't asking the people in season one to bear. Yeah. But one, uh, one of the things yeah. I find difficult with, with liberals, specifically male white liberals, um, is they don't leave a whole lot of space for growth. Uh, um, and I'm just as guilty as anybody sure. else. Yeah, I expect people to be right where I'm at, mm-hmm. right when I'm there. Um, mm-hmm. And to, to expose yourself to, um, to say, hey, I don't have this shit figured out. I'm actively working on figuring it out, which is what you guys did with that first episode. You're trying to figure that shit out. Um, and people like, no, no, no. And you don't get grace to, to figure it out. You're, you're expected to have it all figured out before you say a word. Mm-hmm. You have to know everything that I figured out this morning. Yes. That I read. And that's a stringent litmus test. And it's funny that that is the other option to the people who have no standards at all. Yeah. You know, like we can win every time I'm, I'm, you know, on a conservative level, the conservatives can win often because there aren't, there aren't consistent standards. People are driven by their emotions and they'll get behind anybody to win where the liberals are having these strict tests and and purity tests. And it's harder. And it's like, on one hand, there's some health to that, but it makes, it makes winning much harder because you do end up with two kind of broad extremes. Yeah, and, and it, it, there's a fundamentalism in liberalism that is that is is scary, um, which may cause us to lose the next election. So I'm just throwing that out there. So <laughs> let's the not, divisiveness. Let's, I, not, let's and, not talk about and, that. And, but, but just in terms of we we're in a place where everyone has to agree 100 percent with what I believe, and yeah. I'm not going to vote for him otherwise. And it's it's troublesome because that means another four more years of Donald Trump. So well, yeah, and the. The problem is, is for too long it's been, well, we just want to win too. And now that we're actually hearing from other people and other voices are gaining, gaining some prominence and gaining a platform, we're realizing the amount of issues we need to be discussing, digesting, making decisions based on. And so it has become harder to be a liberal. And, and even though that, that can be annoying right now as a white male um, – suffering other white males. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do think that it's ultimately serving a good purpose. I do think people are learning from 2016 that ultimately we do need to get, you know, do a better job of getting behind who's the better option, whether it was our favorite or not. But we do also need to do a better job early on of making sure that the option we get is the best one we can Correct. get. Yeah. You know? absolutely. And that's that that was where the disengagement thing happened earlier. And there's there's a lot to that because, you know, the Democratic Party is you know, they control the options to a fault, but, yeah. but we'll see. I am still hopeful for that. I'm not hopeful in general, but I am hopeful for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can, can you, can we rewind a little bit? Cause I want to go into airing a grief a little bit later, but I also want to talk about, um, uh, your experience in, um, you know, the Christian music industry and, 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 uh, that aspect of what you did when you were in Nashville or if you're still in the general vicinity, but, mm-hmm. um, well, I didn't, I didn't really do, I didn't do too much. Uh, I was, I was always surrounded by an industry that didn't seem to have a place for me. So it was kind of obvious and apparent that it wasn't something I needed to like spend myself or exhaust myself attempting to break that scene. Uh, I did, I was happy for a number of years to just be the house band at a, at a good college ministry. And we played not like a worship team. We were a band and people just, they came often enough that they knew our stuff and all that. Um, and we did some recording and, and that was neat. And, you know, did a little, a little tourish stuff here and there. And then 
I mean, when we moved out to Nashville at that point, we weren't making quote unquote Christian music or yeah. worship music or any of that anymore. But I had in the intervening years, yeah, I had, I had done some, re- we'd done some recordings of some of our stuff and then kind of sent it out to see if anybody was interested. And we got a call back from, what was it? It was, um, <laughs> it was integrity music in oh, mobile. Man. Um, and they said, so whatever subsidiary of theirs that Sonic Flood was on, their A&R people said, um, you know, they want to do this song of yours. And I was like, okay, I guess. And they're like, but we really want you to write a chorus for it. And I had written it not that way. Um, and so I reluctantly said, okay, I will. And then I came back. It's not CCM without a chorus. (laughs) Cause I mean, I had written it as like a kind of an Eastern invocation, like something you'd hear from a tall tower that was just kind of a, a raga almost. And. Um, and they, uh, yeah, they, they were like, we'll get back to us ASAP cause they are already recording in the studio, you know, for this album. So I, within a few days I got back to them and I'd added a chorus and they're like, Oh, Rick already did his own thing. And he wants half, half of the writing credit. Uh, um, and then, Rick. yeah. And then when months later, when I get the pre-release <laughs> track list, I see that there's a second song of mine they did that they didn't even ask about. Like A&R wow. didn't even communicate to me about. And when I called them. I was like, these two songs were two of the three on the demo I sent you, and uh, and I wasn't even asked about this or licensing it, or we haven't done any of the paper. Like, how how has it even gotten this far? And they're like, well, that song belongs to so and so, out in Southern California. This pastor named Joe Sabalik, um, who weirdly was a Calvary pastor. Um, and I was like, no, that's my song, unless he wrote a song with that same title. And they're like, well, you'll have to talk to Joe about it. Like, suddenly it's my problem. And then Jeez. fucking Joe. So I know, fucking Joe. So I called Joe. <laughs> fuck Joe. People. Fuck Rick. Fuck them all. <laughs> Integrity. It, and of Integrity all the con- my ass. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, for of all the douchey conversations I've ever had, this was the douchiest. Because I get this Southern California, like bleach blonde beach pastor who's like, hey, you know, and and I'm like, did you write a song called All I've Failed to Be, which was the name of that song? And by the way, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the uh, And he's like, I don't know, write a lot of songs. And I was like, did you write a song called that? Because at this point, I didn't have the audio to see whether it was mine or not. And and he was like, you know, I don't I don't know. Like, are they just and he, he was like trying to act like there was a chance, you know, but he wrote and it. That, yeah, and he hadn't heard it either, but he's just acting like this entire thing is, you know, very mysterious. And so I was like, all right, whatever. I'm, I, I, I hang up with him. I get back to the A and R people, and I was like, I need, I need to hear it to, to know. Apparently, and when they sent it to me, sure enough, it was not only was it my song, but they'd followed our production arrangement to the T, like wow. the exact introduction of everything in the same key. Um, I mean, you can take their production of it, and replace Rick's voice with mine and you have exactly what we sent them. So it's like not only not only have they not asked us, we essentially produced and arranged the song for them beyond just writing it and we weren't approached or or paid for any of that either. Um so you know and it was like then that was already annoying, but I was still like I was in my like, okay, cool. I mean Jesus, right? That's all that matters. Not for the <laughs> Lord, man. <laughs> so they're like, Well, we want to have you out for the album release and then, you know, you can play your catalog for um some of our publishing guys. And that was when when I was out in Mobile that the I'm sitting with these two guys in this upper room where it's like they're surrounded by all of the songs that Everybody, every record company loves to own and sit on and do nothing with. And that's already terrifying. And they, I'm playing a song that means a lot to me. And one of them turns to the other and says, I think this would be good for Phillips, Craig, and Dean. And 
<laughs> I had this. I had this. How about then. no? Yeah, exactly. You crazy <laughs> Dutch bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I remember just feeling this wall go down. I'm like, I think we're done here. Like, okay. I'll play a few more songs just to like go through the motions, but I really am not interested in pursuing this further. Wow. And and I really wasn't after that. Um, you know, and and the whole Nashville thing in general, I find really annoying. People are so so hung up on like the quantity of songs and you get these people that are always like you know doing a collab today hashtag song a day and it's like yeah but everything you write is terrible who cares that you're <laughs> producing more terrible things uh yeah so, taylor you know, swift looking yeah. at you babe <laughs> i would rather i would rather write three songs a year that i love and will remember in 10 years than be that nashville guy that's like i try to write three songs a week and they're all you know garbage but maybe i'll get a publishing deal just based on that i can kind of generally write and have all my songs sat on for the rest of my life oh, blake but, shelton you know, said he jerked off to this song <laughs> congrats man <laughs> So, yeah, I, I've, I haven't been a fan. I mean, when we did pursue a deal, we thought for a minute, like, maybe we'll do our own thing. And this is like 2006-ish. We heard from two different labels something to the effect of, this is my favorite Christian worship project I've heard in years, and I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. Because A&R people are the worst. It's like the rule of those who can't do teach, but it's actually true of A&R people. It's like, you can't do, so you get to run the industry for some reason. You get to run artists and repertoire and creativity and you're afraid to take a risk on anything you play into clear channels hand and that's why we've gone from you know the way we have in 30 or 40 years radio djs used to be like museum curators and now they're just people shoveling paid advertisements in everybody's mouth yeah. i'm not bitter <laughs> there, there aren't a whole lot of uh quote-unquote christian rock artists anymore it's it's mainly worship Mm -hmm. Like the vast majority has, has, has looking at you, Chrissy T. <laughs> well, that is that I remember that switch taking place because do you remember in the mid two thousands, there were all these bands that were suddenly doing the offerings kind of album, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is why I always, I appreciated the hell out of Switchfoot because they had the balls to be like, no, we write songs we like, and we're going to keep writing those songs yeah. instead of jumping that bandwagon. And you got to give that, you got to give cred there. But most everybody, like you'd go to some big, I remember going to like Spirit West Coast, which is kind of, I don't know what you guys have in the East, but that was the biggest thing you could go to where everybody was. And you'd have all these bands that had released regular albums, but when they got, when it came time to being at the festival and playing live, they'd be like, you know what? We had some songs we're going to play, but we're just totally going to worship with you guys. <laughs> um, no! I had that... <laughs> Are you saying the Scalaluya isn't a hit? Scalaluya. <laughs> And I had the experience, I think I actually shared this on the pub once, I might have written it down, but like I had a friend who was working, like doing massage and stuff in the back of the main stage at one of those festivals, and she said that Chris Tomlin was pacing backstage because the three acts before him had played his whole set list. Um, <laughs> Which is like, hey, Chris Tomlin, all you want. He's the victim in that scenario yeah. where everybody's trying to jump that bandwagon so much that he's like, I guess we're going to play stuff from three albums ago since everybody knowing that I was going to come on just played my current singles that I wrote. Jeez. Like, uh, and because that's the thing is it's like this free-for-all. And it's like it has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with the, the most direct path to being able to manipulate people's emotions and bathe in their adoration. Yeah. And, 
which is what drove me away from it myself. It's like I was trying to actually talk to God when I was writing worship songs. I was trying to say things that weren't being said. Uh, and and I wasn't interested in those those phony outward displays of, you know, silliness and frivolity. Like I wasn't interested in gold dust. And I, I, it's like everything that the church was getting hung up on doing always painted the picture to me of a terrible, uninteresting, apathetic idiot of a God who's like, you know, all this terrible stuff's going on in your town, but I'm definitely going to sparkle in the sanctuary right now. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to make sure all of the foster kids have homes. I'm not going to heal everybody in the hospital. I'm not going to fund the homeless shelter for the next three years. But I just want everybody to really feel sparkling gold dust. But me, damn it, I will bless you. We're going to twilight yeah. for Jesus right now. <laughs> And so, yeah, it's not, it is not, and I find this is true of so many people because I've, I've heard so many stories, not just of the people I've talked to, but, you know, I have to curate everybody's stories for the editing of The Airing of Grief. And it's like, without fail, the people who've walked away from this thing were actually the people who were morally trying to find something consistent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying, looking for a God who is ethical, who isn't worse than they are. And, you know, they're the people who took it the most seriously and didn't allow it to just be a country club that entertained them. And yet they received the judgment and the unfair, like, sneering of the people who do just look at it selfishly as their weekly country club as though they were the ones that failed. Uh, but it's like, you know, they're not the ones that failed. They're the ones that succeeded. And that's what led them out. Um, can you talk about the analog tourist in Monovision? I can do that. Uh, Monovision's just a, at this, I mean, it was just a fun side project I did to cover an entire Foo Fighters album, which I reimagined. It's a, a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. It's a hundred percent live and really naked. And so in that, in that respect, it's hard for me to listen to. Like I would multi-track and multi-camera stuff and do a bunch of takes, but it was all live one take. So even yeah. on the YouTube cuts where you see multi-screens, it's like none of it is, none of it is faked. Um, so I did in the entire um, Nothing Left to Lose Foo Fighters album reimagined as more of like a melancholy acoustic record. Oh, which it's is, so good. You know, like you take a, a, a power pop record that I think is one of the most consistently well-written albums songwriting-wise in like later rock history because let's face it, rock's pretty much dead. Um, but that came out in 99. You mean Imagine Dragons isn't rock? Kings of, <laughs> Kings of Leon still exist. Don't even at oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Kings of Leon. Sex is on fire! God. <laughs> um, so that that was the Monovision thing. And so that's mostly like a YouTube slash Monovision Facebook page thing. Yeah. If people want to watch those videos, the analog tourists um, was our that band. We had been in college coming out here and then trying to forge uh, something creative from the ashes. It took us two years to do it. Uh, it was it was really difficult. You know, we lost people along the way <laughs> who couldn't couldn't stay here as long um, yeah. or couldn't, you know, had to eke out a, an existence. So, you know, it was just really hard to reconcile schedules and get all of that done. But I am proud of that record, um, which is called Everything Changes. And that is on Spotify. But uh, I, I am glad with what came of that, what, what my brother and I mainly were able to do in sort of sharing the reins because, you know, as a college band, he didn't do any of the writing or singing so much. But when we did that album, we, we kind of, john and paul did yeah i enjoyed it a lot i I enjoy that record a lot um thanks um so let's let's go back into um the airing of grief and 
the airing of grief for those who haven't heard uh, our three other podcasts about it. Um, I guess two other podcasts we've had about this. It, it, it's basically you all telling the stories of people's, uh, I don't know what, what, I don't want to say deconstruction or mm-hmm. deconversion maybe. Uh, their yeah. experiences of being hurt by the church more or less. Mm-hmm. Well, D, yeah, Deanne reconstruction. I think the, the season one vibe tended to be people in the throes of it yeah. all. And the season two vibe tended to be people because it favored people on the margins. They were people who had already kind of been on the outs, whether yeah. they wanted to be or not their entire life. And so that that started pushing us down the trajectory of hearing further down the line than just the immediacy of grief, the immediacy of loss and devastation. And that's actually what has led us to feel like the trajectory needs to continue because we've always said there's stories of D and reconstruction. Yeah. But with season three, we are kind of forcing it to be like, we want to hear about your now. We want right. to hear about, we want to hear about what is most precious to you. We want to hear about what you've learned that you fought the hardest for. We want to, you know, we want to learn like what it was that when everything came down, what was the one thing still standing in your yeah. house? Um, or what is the new thing that you found and where you've built new community, what, what new organizations you've joined, where you found anything that you consider sacred. And, and so we're trying to continue down that, that, uh, that path with it. And of course the, the orientation of any of those stories is usually still going to be held up in something less fun. Yeah. Uh, so there's always room for that in what we're doing, but we kind of feel less like the hosts of our podcast because we don't really consider what we do interviews. We just yeah. kind of have conversations with people. We don't write down com- uh, questions in advance. We let them, we let them just happen. And so the hosting of our podcast is really done by the people who call or write or whatever else it is to contribute. And we really just curate that and yeah. and try to to score it and accentuate it in a way that makes sense and that's resonant and and yeah it's um it's been really wonderful and yeah. I want um, I want to talk about in a good way. I want to talk about the first two seasons uh and then I want to kind of go a little bit deeper into the the the, the upcoming season but the, the the first two seasons um what have they um meant to you personally uh is grief something that you have come to embrace? Are you uh, more comfortable with it now? Or is it still awkward? Or, I mean, cause you're sitting with people in their grief. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're talking about some of the, the worst parts of their journey. Uh, what, what has it done? What has it done for you? That's a really good question. Um, the, for me personally, I've always been comfortable with things that are terrible and sad and melancholy. Like it, to me, that just feels real. Um, I, I think I tend to think there's probably something being sold to me whenever something seems happy and and without flaw or whatever. So it's it's natural for me to occupy that space where it's like, see, look at all this terrible shit. I told you. Um, <laughs> and I've said that before. I don't think I don't think just anybody could actually edit this podcast because um, because it is tremendously depressing some weeks. You know, yeah. I'll hear somebody's. To, uh, story of spousal abuse or something in the church telling her she couldn't get a divorce like 20 times before it airs. And, and I'm trying to make it sadder with music. Um, and because I'm trying to unlock the emotion that's already there. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, if I didn't have a natural tendency to loving things that are melancholy because they feel real and authentic to me, I don't think that I could have handled it. But what I have gotten out of it personally 
despite feeling like that was a natural fit. What I've gotten out of it personally is that it has helped me to feel more comfortable with admitting a lot of things to myself Hmm. and, and hearing, hearing this choir of voices and what they've gone through has helped me to more defiantly say, this is where I stand now. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not trying to sugarcoat that for anybody whose feelings might still be hurt. Like I'm, I'm sick and tired of, of bad ideas sort of ruling the day and, and hurting people. And uh, I'm, I'm tired of maintaining, um, you know, a semblance of, of belief or community around a God that I cannot connect with whatsoever. Um, and, and if it's like, if it's like that for me and I've tried my whole life to make sense of this and, and whatever people are like, you know, God's mysterious. And it's like, well then fuck God, because (laughs) (laughs) like, why, why would you, you know, you make everything so difficult and then expect everybody to do something meaningful with it when it's like, well, if the whole point is to be confused in life, then good job. You know, like someone said, uh, I just a few weeks ago or a few months ago, I, I saw someone say, you know, God will forgive your bad theology just the way God forgives your sin. And I was like, who gives like what kind of God would get off thinking that he should even expect good theology from people? Like, yeah, where would you get that? People who devote their entire lives to theology are still confused and still arguing about it. So it's like, you know, from where are we supposed to get this good theology? And if it's, it's like, if we're being blamed for having bad theology, well, then God's the reason that theology is so bad because God didn't communicate clearly enough to enough people. (laughs) I mean, the Bible, the Bible is written in ancient archaic languages, some of which like ancient Hebrew was already archaic while it was being written. It was just a a, a technicality to even use it. And now it's translatable into 12% of languages. And yet people think that's the main way God wants to talk to folks. Like, you know, if that's what God is doing, I'm not interested, you know, and, and I, I'm totally open to, I'm totally open to the idea of God. I just don't see any God. I've never seen any God embodied outside of humans. And I think humans don't get enough credit for being amazing. We get plenty of credit for being Mm. terrible when we're terrible, but everything that's beautiful and wonderful and miraculous that I've ever seen has been something a person did. It has never been because some presence filled the room and, and actually changed lives. And, you know, I'm sure emotional high is great. Maybe that motivates change, but it's ultimately people doing it. And so, uh, you know, I tend to be more panentheistic these days, if I'm anything. Um, I tend to be, you know, I, if I'm going to subscribe to a, a format of theology, I tend to like process theology more. I, but at the same time, it's like that's that's way too – it's way too much for most people and I'm not really interested in – and, you know, like parsing that out with people because yeah. like I was talking to Jamie just last week about this. It's like there's a way to see the New Testament in a really wonderful and non um, non sort of threatening and non um, non terrible light. There is a way that you can reconstruct the New Testament yep. in a way where it really yeah. is progressive and all about love. But if it's like if all that we're doing in studying the Bible is 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 helping people realize that it's it doesn't have to keep us from doing what we would have done naturally anyway just because of our conscience, <laughs> then it's like, well, we're spending all of our time to show that this thing doesn't cause offense. Maybe we should just skip it and start talking about the good stuff we want to do. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the hard thing. That's, that's for sure the hard thing. I'm finding it increasingly more difficult to defend uh, Christianity and the church as a whole. Um, 
to to like to find the good stuff because the overwhelming amount of bad things that go on um it's gotten to a point where i just want to see the thing burn to the ground and if and and (laughs) if they want to do something from there go for it Mm -hmm. but but at at some point um you have to you you have to throw it out you have to throw some of this bad, bad theology and the way that you treat people and the, and the bad mindsets out the window. You've got mm-hmm. to. And for me, it's just an exhausting conversation that it, that like you're like what you're saying is so unnecessary. Right. Well, like the, a good example is, you know, the whole if, if you're uh, if you respond to. You know, what, like whatever, like when a soft answer turns away wrath or like how Paul says, you know, that you respond to something terrible with with some measure of kindness. And in doing so, you're heaping hot coals on somebody's head. Right. Which sounds awful. Um, but, and you know, once you understand that culturally, it's actually a really nice thing to say. But do I need the Bible to tell me that I should be nice to people? <laughs> and do, do, do I need, need to spend my Right. And do I need to spend my entire time with the Bible deflating the potential offense it's causing because we no longer understand the context or connotation or language? Like that's a that's a lot to wade through to get to some through to something every child already knows intrinsically. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things that I struggled with way early on before I even knew what deconstruction was, before I was even doing anything resembling that. There's one of the questions floating around in my head was like people are already doing this like. People yeah. are already being nice that aren't mm-hmm. Christian. What, like, what the hell do I do with that? Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I really struggled with because, according to my theology, well, if you're not immersed and fill in all the blanks that you had to to do to get saved or whatever, well, then they were terrible people. They were mm-hmm. they were bad people. They were sinners. They were of the devil. They were whatever. When in reality, they were better than any of us sitting in those pews. Right. Because of how they were living their life. Yeah, I had some. <clears throat> what changed for me was I had some youth group kids that were atheists that would come to like youth group stuff, mm-hmm. and they had like a deep morality. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a second, I thought that was supposed to come from God, but they don't have any conception of God that they believe in. But they're still deeply moral people, although they probably wouldn't say it that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was like, huh. Mm-hmm. Like it really, I mean, that's one of those sort of paradigm shifting mm-hmm. things. You go, wait, there maybe humanism. There's something to that. Like some all. of my Chris, quote Christian kids are complete shitheads, but these kids aren't shitheads. And it's right. like, wait a second. So, and that's yeah. one of the things where if you think if Jesus is right about this element of everything and there's a universal application to what church even is, and it's not about a creed or whatever else, then, well, then these kids are in. In which case, wait a minute, why am I bothering with this institution over here, Christianity, <laughs> mm-hmm. which claims to be the church? Because is Christianity the church? I, I mean, just just even as if I'm specifically and only within a Christian mindset right now, if I'm to come at it from that, I'm, I'm coming at it from the standpoint that if Jesus was right about the church, then there is no way in hell the church is Christianity. Because Christianity has spent the majority of the past 2,000 years, or at least 1,700 of the past 2,000 years, failing at nearly every turn. And yet Jesus said the church was something, his, his people were something that the gates of hell themselves would not prevail against. Right? Yeah. So either Jesus is 100% wrong, because, or we've conflated this institution of Christianity with what church is. But then it's like, and I think there's some real beauty and poetry to be found in that idea. I think that's intensely, holistically biblical, what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I say that, 
As <laughs> soon as I say that, I think, well, then what the fuck is the point of Christianity? And mm-hmm. why would I need to be a part of it? Also, why would I need to be a part of anything? Because if it is really universal, if it is really Catholic, if everybody really is in, if if everything really is integrated, if everything really is embodied, if love really does look like justice and those who are yielding the fruit are the trees, then why do I need to bother pushing it through a Christian mold all the time other than to mm-hmm. keep myself comfortable? Yep. Yeah. Well, it's the Christ is all and is in all. Mm-hmm. I mean, the New, the New Testament supports that. Uh, everybody's the new Richard Rohr book is going to blow everybody's dick off because that's literally <laughs> all he's talking about mm-hmm. is is that that very idea that Christ is already because of uh, he he is in all already. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a very I mean, it's a very universal thing. It's not a um, it's not limited to one group or one tribe. It's a very um, was it pan tribal? Would that be the word? Like across yeah. tribes or whatever the whatever the phrase is. I mean, it's it's literally across. It's every tribe and tongue and nation. I mean, right. Um, and that's you see that in the poetry of Revelation. Yeah, it's it's like if the healthiest reading I think of of a book like Romans is to show that the old system, the old covenant, the Old Testament, the point of that that was all to exhaust a specific idea, a specific paradigm, a specific mm-hmm. system that is leading us to do things a certain way through a. Mm-hmm. a you know, laws and sacrifices. The point of it is to show that it's failing, right? Mm-hmm. The point of, of everything was to show that that old covenant couldn't stand. It was exhausting all the bad ideas. And yet nobody thinks that maybe the Christian paradigm is doing the same thing to itself. Like if it's, if it's yielding the good fruit, it's ultimately going to collapse on itself and show that it's not necessary, just like the old, the old thing did. And, and I think that's what we're kind of seeing happen. Like, I think, I think we're right. on the cusp of something that might be referred to in the same way we refer to the Reformation, but it's going to look so much broader than anything did previous that mm-hmm. most people are going to call it heresy for 200 years until they just take it for granted. But, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, yeah, I don't know. All right. So... That was awesome, by the way. Yeah. That we're, was... we're, we're all completely on board. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, so season one and two, by and large, the office. Oh, what about the office? (laughs) I said of the office. Oh yeah, which which is the best season of the office? No, of the office, the best season is three. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so um, (laughs) so season three of the airing of grief, um, it's going in a different direction. Um, the the first two seasons were more largely about deconstruction with some reconstruction built in uh you're you're making changes for season three um how how can have you guys started recording how can listeners get involved um where are you guys at with that yeah we're we're recording currently we're doing calls letters we have a new message system on the site at the airing of grief.com like once you register you can tell us some of your story in writing and then you can actually leave us messages if you want you'll be sent a link so we'll be able to field questions and stuff that way, which I'm excited about. Um, but we could all, it's a five-minute system, so yeah. if you wanted to read a portion of something, uh, a vagina monologue, if you will, uh, you could do it <laughs> that way. Um, and that was, a, that was a deep cut to yeah. bias few and K mm-hmm. reference. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> Who doesn't like a deep, a deep cut to bias few and K reference? <laughs> and um, we are... Yeah, we are. Like I said, we're doing we're doing calls already. We're putting a bunch of different stuff that goes behind the scenes. What are you What in are you place. looking for? Because I know you've got to format this thing. Well, we want anything that's that's like 
beautiful and resonant, we want to feature it. We want a place for it. And so it doesn't, it doesn't have to fit a specific mold, but we are specifically looking, uh, we're, we are specifically looking to focus on the parts of people's stories that are where they, where they land currently in the sense of the things they're finding most beautiful and true. And, and so we want to, we wanted to talk about more what sparks joy and less what caused grief. And, um, and, and yet there's, you know, there's still room for both, but, but people can register at the site and, and let us know if they want to connect. And when you do that, one of us will reach out to, to, you know, to people as we see different episodes taking shape and think that's, that's a, you know, that's a set of subjects we need to cover here. And we made it way easier because we used to just have it be completely bland. You know, everybody registered and then everybody was forced to be like, all right, keep checking back here for time slots. You can nab. And then we would have the simultaneous frustration of everybody wanting the same set of time slots. And then us like booking all this time that we didn't get to use to do calls because we set it aside and then nothing happened. And, and so what we're doing now is we just have everybody submit and then we specifically reach out to people as we're seeing the trajectory of the season take shape and we're, um, we're doing less volume that way, but being more intentional with where we're, where the, where we're seeking people out. Right. And so we're all just doing a, a handful of calls before the season itself starts. And then we'll actually do a lot of them during it as well. But people are welcome to go to the, the airing of grief.com and register and share some of their experience. Um, reconstruction does not have to be a term that applies only to within Christianity. Obviously, um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's for sure not the case of our own producers. Um, you know, and, and so it's, it's more about just whatever life you've reconstructed that is meaningful and that is, you know, the parts of it that, that are good and that are strong for you now. It's, it's, uh, that's what we're trying to do with our virtual community is to share that side of things more and more. Awesome. All right. Um, and I have new music this season, so it's going to be great. What music? Where, where are you getting the music from? Well, season one, I had a new album from Derek, and every episode was a track off that album mm-hmm. as the score, which you know I worked oh. with and I, I built score out of. In season two, we didn't have a new album from Derek, but I felt like it was damn wise. It, Derek. Yeah, damn it, Derek. <laughs> um, I felt because we were trying to amplify the margins that Stockholm Syndrome made sense, mm-hmm, which is yeah. something he released in 2009. But uh, And so I used a lot of that. I used, I used some of the um, fingers crossed stuff as well. I generated more noise myself. Uh, in season three, though, tar- Targets is coming out, so we're going to follow something similar to the, the first season in that the music will be a bigger star of everything. And and because I missed that in season two. Yeah. that was I thought season two overall was, was, was wonderful and, and superior in a lot of ways to season one. But one thing I missed was that I couldn't cut lyrically to Derek as often because... Mm a lot of it was irrelevant <laughs> yeah. that he had said, in, at least to what we were doing, yeah. to things he had said in 2009. And so, um, but now, of course, the, the album, the stuff he's writing, and he keeps saying like he feels like he's actually in ministry for the first time in his life. He's never viewed mm-hmm. artistry that way. And yeah. the songs are so empowering and encouraging, and they're just, they're going to be a big part of everything again. Another thing is that I've been recording Jamie over the past couple weeks, um, and her entire thesis, which um, she's graduating next month, um, and it is incredible. Like, it is such a rare thing to have um, 
thesis work tends to be really dry and clinical, but it is such a rare thing to have something be as conversational and approachable as she has made it without it becoming like an article or a blog post. Like it's still a scholarly AF, you know, Um, (laughs) but it's like it is so much meat in one spot. She's going to be having that available for people that want, you know, to get it as an ebook. We're putting that together, but also it's going to be featured prominently in every episode. We're going to have a bit of it that applies to the the things that are going on through that episode and the process that episode is dealing with. And so we have a lot more, we have a lot more pieces to work with this season, a lot higher energy, uh, a lot more positivity. I think a lot of people will be excited about it, including people who've never been excited about, you know, like like people that are just, I can't do that about grief and everything (laughs) else. I think that they may, they may finally find a version of the podcast they connect with this season. And I don't think it's going to leave anybody behind either. So I'm really excited about it. Me too. I'm excited about the the new season, excited about uh, targets, trying to get Derek on. Hint, hint, Derek. (laughs) <laughs> um, return my emails. He'll be um, he'll be wanting he'll be wanting to talk to you guys as no. soon as he has a date because that's when he'll need to do some yeah some you know. yeah he he said yeah uh, that he is he's waiting for more information so I'm just I'm just teasing. Um, <laughs> uh, you got time for a lightning round? I know we're going over a little bit. Oh, that's fine. Cool, because we only did a few lightning rounds. <laughs> it's not like you have a kid at home or anything. I mean. We can we can not do it, Kevin. If if you if you don't want to do it, we're gonna be a dick about it, Kevin. We, we just won't do Kevin. it. We uh, didn't we didn't get to do much of a lightning round last time, so yeah. I'm excited to participate in and this lightning round. Well, yeah. what was the guy that was getting John? eaten by dogs? John yeah. was about to get wolves. eaten by dogs or wolves on a mountain, yeah. so we had yeah. to go. All right, beverage of choice. In general, yeah. Um, coffee, black coffee. Any any particular region Growing or region. whatever? I don't like African coffee. Oh, what's oh, wrong with you? Man. <laughs> Every well, time I, I look at that little thing and it's like, fuck. notes of citrus, floral. I'm like, get out of oh, here. Man. Oh, my God. African coffees are my favorite. I, I like, really like. And just when Arabic I thought we had something it's fine to be It's fine to be wrong. Fine. <laughs> like Asia like, Pacific. Yes. And so, I like Southeast yeah, Asian coffee. I like coffee. drinking mud, too. Spicy, they're earthy. <laughs> yeah. I love, but but uh, to me, nothing tops South American coffees. I mean, that's where you're getting like notes of roasted pecan and caramel. No, thanks. And nougat and vanilla. And that's where I'm at. So. No, for me, it's uh, Asia Pacific, then African coffees. Really? Then at the Asia very, Pacific very bottom. Shit. God, South what America. What's wrong with you? At guys? the very, very bottom is Guatemalan. So. Hmm. See, I, I like the Guatemalan. I have against the Guatemalans. Yeah, not a, not down with the acidity of Guatemala. Love acidic coffees. Yep. You're wrong. All right, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're fine to be wrong. bad, and you should yep. feel it's bad. It's just not. It's not <laughs> not my thing. Uh, favorite book? The Bible. Yikes. Um, <laughs> it's the Bible. Kevin, favorite there. book? Next question. I don't know that I have a favorite book. My favorite fiction, my favorite work of fiction, is The Thief of Always by Clive Barker, which I read when I was a kid, and it's always stuck with me. Huh. Um, what's the last album you listen to start to finish? Mm, the white album. Ooh. Oh, the Weezer yeah. one or the no. Beatles? No, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I was, I was introducing my 10 month old child to, you know, Oh no, it would be Abbey road. Cause we did that after. So yeah, Abbey road, Abbey road's better than it was the, the Beatles either way. Yeah. 
Nice. Last time you said Stevie Wonder. Ra- Rocky Raccoon just makes that oh, yeah. album just shit in my book. Like that, there's the just, White Album? Oh, my God. Rocky Raccoon. Get out of my fucking face with that. <laughs> have you seen the preview for that movie? Doesn't it have Obladi Obladon? Yeah, but too? it also has While My Guitar Gently Weeps, yeah, which is the best Beatles song it ever. It also has Dear Don't, Prudence. It also has yeah. Blackbird. It also yep. has a lot. You know, okay. they, yeah. Have you seen the preview for the movie tomorrow? Yes. It looks good. It does. It's a very interesting idea. It is funny to picture a world that is exactly the same other than the Beatles not being in it, because obviously none of the musicians featured in the movie would exist but for the Beatles. But it's still a really cool idea. And anything Danny Boyle does is always a good time. Yeah. So what is the last? uh, Nope. I guess answer question. Uh, Favorite movie you've seen in the last year? I've seen so few movies in the last year since having a baby. Yep. Yeah. I get that. Uh, Yep. You guys, you guys know. And, and it's not enjoy frozen because... too, buddy. That's uh, <laughs> that's where your life is now. Yeah. And it's not just because like, oh, I can't get out. It's like we have plenty of people that are like, I'd love to watch it. But we just love her so much. and We love being around her that we don't want to leave and we don't want to do anything else. Like she's been such such a delightful addition to our lives. Um, Kristen and I have been together since junior high. We got married when I was 21 and she was 20 and I'm 37. So like I've, you know. When Stella was born, I realized it had been a long time since I fell in love with anybody. Oh, and that's cool. She is adorable, man. Yeah. So yeah, I will say, two. I will say, wait till she turns two. Incredibles <laughs> two is that what we're talking or, or about? three? Yeah. Um, but I, I guess the the movie question is hard. I I watch. Okay, I'll, can I answer with TV shows? Yeah. Yes. I had the flu. I had the flu a few weeks ago, and I burned through. Um. Two seasons of Ozark in two days. Oh, wow. So that was – I thought it was awesome. But a lot of people are like, that show's depressing and I needed to take breaks. But see, there's an example of them like, damn, you can't phase me with that stuff. I just thought it was really good. Um, I'm friends ability, with Derek Webb. You can't phase me with that. <laughs> their, their ability to make an entire show of people talking and, and have very little action is and still have it be kind of gripping and tight as a thriller is really remarkable. So um, I like that show a lot. Um, what is, do you have a favorite curse word? Yes. It's still shit. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty Um, good one because I, I became okay with saying the F word and then the C word later on in life, but I still, I just like the feel of shit. What crap? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's a C word. No, get rid of the C word. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. I'll leave when I'm good and ready. Kevin, what's the best star Wars film? Um, I, the original. Oh, I mean, a new the first one. God, yeah. Luke is so I, goddamn whiny in that, though. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah, the overall like. If you lived in a sea of nothing but it, sand, you would be too. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it's I Uncle think it's Owen pretty equal it with Empire. Most people give Empire the nod, but it's like to me they're both ten out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just love the ending of the original so much, and um, I think I still think Return of the Jedi is pretty great, but it's definitely flawed and i mean the the plan to rescue han solo for instance being the dumbest plan of all time uh <laughs> if you actually piece that apart it is the it's dumb yeah plan yeah ever. do you yeah. i can post in the pub if you want me to <laughs> please do Why i want to watch so i want to watch the world burn okay and then the prequels are genuinely awful but the idea that they got better with each one i think is a common modern myth i don't think any of the three are very good but uh-huh. i definitely think they got progressively worse not better really 
Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would agree with Attack of the Clones being just Attack terrible. Attack of the Clones should be stricken from the record and never <laughs> it watched. It is yeah. just terrible. Uh, I mean, Revenge you, of the Sith, you whiny it fails, bitch. fails where it matters, like in crucial moments that are, that are things you knew were coming and you've got like... <laughs> Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Oh, yeah. I'd have choked her ass out no, too if she'd kidding. said shit like that. I love them all. <laughs> God. Of course uh, you I think do. the new movies are decent. I actually really... Rogue One was fucking killer, man. I uh, I saw The Last Jedi three times and had the experience of hating it, oh, kind of thinking it was okay, and then loving it. The I like Last Jedi. I, yeah. I, I think Rogue One is one of my favorites. I really do. I liked Rogue One. I because liked, everybody um, I fucking I mean, dies. Solo was good, non-offensive, not great. Not, yeah, you know, I, it was, was fun. Yeah, I literally just watched it a couple weeks ago, and I really enjoyed it. Mm. And uh, Amelia Clark has never been so adorable as in that movie. She's just charming, and I have the biggest crush on her, and Kristen's okay with it. But, like, <laughs> she's just adorable. Yeah, she was good. Do you believe in the multiverse? I don't think you can. I don't think you can not. <laughs> it's a double negative, Kevin. Yeah, no. Yes. Uh, no, I think maybe. I don't know. Okay. Um, anything you want to say to Keegan? <laughs> I want to thank Keegan for being the first. He's the reason that that the pub is the first community I've ever been a part of where I wasn't that guy. <laughs> yes. Like yesterday, literally, I posted the picture of the hipster guy with the deep plunging V and the scarf like over something real elitist, he said. And I thought I got to post that at him instead of having that posted at me for the first time in my life. Uh, That's so amazing. I do want to thank Keegan for out. Kevining me at every turn. That's great. I love it. Uh, where can people find you online? I am a chronic Facebooker, but I mostly stick to groups now because I don't like everything in public. Um, I'm on Twitter. I Instagram occasionally. Uh, they people, if anyone's interested in my my reconstruction within Christianity, that sort of right when we moved and the the like kind of five or six years that followed. Theologically, for especially for those that still find a lot of resonance within the Christian camp and and whatever, I do still recommend my website, which is youhavehearditsaid.com. Uh, it just tackles common Christian thinking and and cliche and everything else, and and kind of like tries to peer deep behind the layers of it yeah. to see what's motivating it. And I can say that even if I don't resonate with some of the underlying ideas that motivated what I, why I wrote it, I still. I'm glad I wrote it. I'm still glad it's there. Yeah. I still use it when I when I see Christians post stuff that I know is toxic because and this is something else the airing of grief has helped me realize is that regardless of my own stake in Christianity, I really feel like the world deserves better Christians anyway. And yeah. I want to be a part of that solution no matter where I land. Yeah. And Kevin, so yeah. KevinMcDougal.com also redirects there. Found that out today. Oh, that's thanks to John Allen. He always Thanks, John doing, Allen. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, so the airing of grief uh, dot com, Kevin McDougal dot com, um, Facebook, and you update your f your Facebook more often though. The the uh, you have heard it said Facebook mm -hmm. page, right? Well, yeah, I still I still post on that, and there are there are people who don't really know where I land. But like I said, because I'm still interested in a better version of Christianity, whether regardless of where I land, I do still post on there. Um, I've made a post about. I've made posts about racial justice, atonement, all that stuff. I'm still doing that regularly, but uh, somewhat regularly. But yeah, you have heard it said dot com works and you have heard it said at Facebook works as well. I, and it'd be nice to have someone besides a Calvinist reply to anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, 
Well, actually. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. And uh, you're in the Pastor's Pub as well. So I am. Yeah, people can chat you up there. It is so. a good time. I didn't expect to end up to engage when you were like, well, come along because you were on an episode. But as soon as I was in there, I was like, this is a good group of folks. So that's awesome. Sweet. Thank you. Yep. Except except for Billy. Except for yeah, the guy gotta get his yeah, you gotta get his mention <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah, I had it was obligatory. It's yeah. every time. Do you want to say fuck Steve Austin too while we're at it? I am. I'm. I'm a four, so I am the only person that never says that because okay. I just need to be different. So. <laughs> oh gosh! I uh, want to extend my warmest love and kisses to Steve Austin. <laughs> And he'll accept and he'll accept them boner in hand. Oh, wow. Well, well, and there it is. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, Kevin. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> it's a it's a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Oh, Brad's losing his shit now. <laughs> That's a that laugh is bordering on maniacal. Yeah, pretty much. Like a villain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Will you calm down? <laughs> I'm trying to end this guy. I'm trying to land this plane here. I need, <laughs> need, your, need your seat in the upright position. Come on. Oh, I just know how much Steve's going to love that. <laughs> oh, he's probably jerking it, jerking yeah, off probably. to it right now. Oh. All right, Kevin. We'll see you later, please. All right. Thanks, guys. Cool. Now that you've in your seat. And tell us what you think The five stars get red But one star is dead I'm hanging up <laughs> <laughs> uh, We got any five star reviews? Yes Oh, hey, hey wait, 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 wait We have one a, Uh, uh Let's, uh, where's a positive sound I can play? There you go. I'm very excited right now. That's great. Um, <sighs> all right. Here wow. We go. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, boy. Um, it's called Taste and See That This Podcast Is Good. Yes, Queen. <laughs> By Sleazy McGeezy. Sleazy. My nickname in high school. No, um, nope, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Nope. I look forward to new episodes of this podcast every week. I found it to be a funny and refreshing take on spirituality. Ugh, can't remember the last time I used that word. God, that may be the best thing ever on this soundboard. Um,. <laughs> I found it to be a refresh, a funny and refreshing take on spirituality. Can't remember the last time I used that word. For a queer liberal atheist who grew hey. up in the conservative white American church and has the scars to prove it. Aww. If you're like me and through the baby, theology, Christ teachings, mysticism, out with the bathwater, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy, give this podcast a listen, all capitals. Uh, I didn't think I would ever miss deep dive conversations about ultimate reality, but these guys do an excellent job cutting the BS being just irreverent enough. God damn, how's it just irreverent enough? Like, what's the limit? Is that, <laughs> it's like, irreverent enough can for we what? push Jesus. this farther? That's and the actually, question. And we can. Uh, and actually, kind of focusing on biblical ideas. <laughs> kind of focusing. <laughs> kind of. Kind of focusing on biblical <laughs> That's ideas. That's pretty generous. Yeah. 
<laughs> kind of focusing on biblical ideas that were and still are radically progressive, and they have some great guests. Oh, and they're hilarious. Give it a listen. Oh, thanks. So, thank you. That was very nice, Sleazy. Thanks, Sleaze. Thanks, Sleazy McGee. McEasy. Sleazy McGeezy. No, McEasy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can we move on? Brad's, Brad is Brad's toasted. Done. I, Brad gave me his beer. He's done. <laughs> Brad's done. Yeah. We're done here. I'm actually That's almost what she done. said. I'm almost done with Twitter. God damn it. That's what she said. <laughs> Top 10. Can you get through them? Do I need to read them? Or are you going to be... I'll be, I'll be all right. <laughs> Will you? Laurel. <laughs> Number 10. Laurel. I can I can maintain uh, Christopher Christopher Stefano at oh. C J Stefano A I T C. When you listen to the newest pastors podcast and they're praising Brian Zahn's new book, which you already ordered, hashtag Great Minds, hashtag John Boat of Alfredo. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great hashtag. Okay. Better work. I put this one in the top things. I have no idea what the fuck he's trying to say. <laughs> Number nine, Eric McCormick at Austin named Lone. <laughs> Pastors Podcast. Not Brad, don't let not Matt, and also not Matt <laughs> stop you. Your jokes are great. Hashtag talking about a John Boat of Alfred. Oh, Is oh, it your you? terrible yeah, jokes? Yeah. Uh, no, he likes my jokes. Yeah, they're shit. Um, All right. Uh number yeah. Number eight, hashtag team enlightened Matt at, <laughs> oh, at Swashbuckland. <laughs> She features, she features, Swashbuckland features heavily on the top 10 this, this week. Uh, I was super excited to start listening to episode 156. I turned it on and set my phone down. The cat immediately sat directly on the screen. So there's your, <laughs> there's your harshest critic. Meow. Uh, number seven, also team, hashtag team enlightened Matt at Swashbuckland. <laughs> at what point do we think Michael's soundboard will become sentient? Maybe it's time to start mentioning it in the intro. Shove it up your butt. <laughs> Number six, David Sluss at Dave the Explorer. Hi, Dave. Brian Zahn says that Pastor's podcast is winsome. Really? The opening segments had the hosts taking turns enraging each other. Hashtag bring back unenlightened Matt. Oh, there he is. Along with hashtag <laughs> mad Brad and hashtag annoyed Michael. Now I have, a little dark. The now bigger, I have drunk Brad. The, the bigger the terrain wreck, the better the foofy. Hashtag John Boat of Alfredo. What's that? Miss it. I can't hear you. Drunk Brad is like is like oh, mad Brad, sound. but with kung fu grip oh, yeah. on a beer can. Oh, right now I'm my just, deafening awesomeness. Right now I'm just Brad that wants to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Brad. This is Brad that'll be on my couch. Yeah. Uh, number five, Nathan Miller West at Namway Design. <laughs> At Pastors Podcast, just drown me in a hashtag John Boat of Alfredo <laughs> with a couple of bottles of hashtag strawberry wine, and I will die a happy man. God damn don't it, Nathan. Play don't play it. Fuck fucking God damn it, Nathan. I'm going to break his fucking computer. Now. I know. Over his head. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. One of these days, I'm going to snap his computer in half <laughs> and shove the pieces right up Number his ass. Number four, hashtag... I am the great Cornholio. for my Hashtag Team Enlightened Matt at Swashbuckland. <laughs> Michael's rousing rendition of Praise the Lord, I Saw the Dong at the end of episode 156 <laughs> had me in tears. Hashtag Giant Gummy Python. Hashtag Happy Little Penis. Hashtag Hash Plague. Hashtag John Boat of Alfredo. <laughs> Number three, at Lounge Iguana. 
Does that epitode hold the record for the earliest time check by Brad? <laughs> hashtag hash flag. Hashtag a John Boat of Alfredo. Hashtag what the hell is a John Boat? Hashtag Doug Murphy. Hashtag Michael Turner. Hey, hey, brother. <laughs> Doug Murphy. God, I thought about that off and on this week and just uh, laughed my ass off. Number two, David Sloss at Dave the Explorer. I often don't get the pastor's podcast hashtag. At first, I thought it was because I was old, but I was smiling and nodding 40 to 45 years ago, too. At last, I can fully appreciate hashtag John Boat of Alfredo. <laughs> Gives me a nice visual, unless there is some innuendo at work, if you know what I mean. <laughs> there isn't, but now there is. Now there is. <laughs> Thanks, you really, Dave. Really uh, shove that one in there. Number, <laughs> number one. <laughs> Marie Kondo sparks joy inside of me. <laughs> I was expecting Laurel. Oh my God. <laughs> Laurel. Oh, my God. Oh, oh man. Oh, what are we doing? <laughs> Number, Number one. one. <laughs> Number one. Jordan McKay at Jordan Mc95. Uh, at Passion's Podcast, the highlight of my three-week trip to the States last summer, which included five days in Washington, D.C., a trip to Gettysburg and a week on the New Jersey coast was eating 18 breadsticks in Olive Garden <laughs> and not being able to eat my chicken parmigiana. Hashtag John Boat of Alfredo. <laughs> That's great. God, 18 breadsticks. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a shit that, is a, that is a Lenny level amount of breadsticks That is being unbelievable. <laughs> That's oh, man. crazy. That's God. insane. All right. We paid close attention and we wrote them all down. Now it's time to decide our hashtag. What you is got? Is this the last hashtag in the that's going to be? We're going to 160 and then I'll start putting them up right. for uh, voting. All right. Is that what we're doing? Mm-hmm. Is that where we landed on that? That's right. what I'm doing. You guys aren't fucking involved at all, so I'm taking care of it. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, hashtag yes. the Ruach McDougal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is your look, mom our, calling again? No, no, that's our boss. That's our uh, boss. Uh, hashtag husband, father, pastor, Twitter. Hashtag Blake, Sh- Blake Shelton jerked off to this song. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag apathetic idiot of a god. Hashtag scholarly AF. Hashtag Uncle Owen had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag with boner in hand. <laughs> oh. Well, you got one in the hand. Well, how's, how's that go? How's that go? A bird in the hand is equal is worth two in the bush. A dog in the hand is worth <laughs> two in the bush. For never mind. Um, shaved bare face. Uh, hashtag. I was thinking of Joey Tribbiani. <laughs> That's what she said. Hashtag road road of the Norte. <laughs> <laughs> and then hashtag the brat on my couch. <laughs> yep. There we go. Uh, hashtag honky tonk coffee. Hashtag Ruach McDougal. <laughs> hashtag all about their feelsies. Hashtag. What? 
All um, about that he said, she said, all, all I failed to be. Hashtag Blake J- Shelton jerked off to this. <laughs> Hashtag Twilight for Jesus. Hashtag me, damn it. Hashtag a vagina monologue. <laughs> Hashtag so much meat in one spot. <laughs> okay. That's, that's hashtag shaved bear. Hashtag a horse with a beard. <laughs> hashtag I have no idea what this is. Hashtag what does the fuck wagon mean? <laughs> what is that? I don't know. I don't have any idea. Drunk Brad wrote it down. Hashtag the ghost of Vern Troyer. <laughs> Hashtag lines of coke and mountains of molly. Hashtag 79 bird gangbang. <laughs> Hashtag cockatiel wings. Hashtag, Hashtag caught in her larynx. <laughs> That might be the front runner. Uh, and then hashtag you got Jeff Goldbloomed. <laughs> oh shit! I forgot about that. All right. Uh, <laughs> All right. I've got hashtag two fists of whiskey. Uh, shaved bear. Hashtag the ver the, the ghost of Vern Troyer. Hashtag lot of cockatiels. Um, hashtag 79 bird gangbang <laughs> Hashtag the ethics of sex robots uh, Hashtag puking in the spirit <laughs> And my personal favorite Good for Phillips, Craig, and Dean <laughs> Oh boy oh, Well I like Jeff Goldblumed. You don't like 79 bird gangbang? Well, who doesn't love that? Or caught in her larynx? God, that. (laughs) I feel like that's a little too on the nose. It's probably not great. (laughs) Um, I I mean, the the ghost of Vern Troyer. I like the ghost of Vern Troyer. If we're not going to do caught in her larynx. All right, let's do the ghost of Vern Troyer. <laughs> what about jerk Blake Shelton jerked off to this? <laughs> Somebody uh, tag him in it. Oh, yeah. boy. All right. How do you spell Troyer? T-R-O-Y-E-R. Vern, does it have an E in it, two E's in it? No, I think it's T-R-O-Y-E-R. Vern. Oh, V-R-E-N, I think. Does it have to, another E at the end? I don't think so. Somebody Google that. <laughs> yeah, it does, actually. You're right. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. yeah. The ghost of Vern Troyer. Yeah. If you've ep- if you've episode to this podcast in the whole listen. <laughs> if you listen to this episode, this podcast in its entirety, Jesus. Hit us up on social media with the hashtag the ghost of Vern Troyer. Uh, we're on social media at Pastors Podcast. Uh, sort of at Polly name that. At nah. Brad. Nope. Jizzmuzzle.com. Uh, at MJ Basinger. Uh, we're Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast. Instagram and Glorious Pastors. Subscribe, rate, review us on Apple Podcasts.
podcast. Check out our website, ingloriouspastards.com. Support for this podcast comes from listeners like you. Support us on Patreon to join the Pastors Pub. Get access to our spin-off podcasts. Pastors Community Church, Hymns of Reconstruction, Turd Talk, Pastors Book Club, Pub Crawl, Special Music. Buy us around and even help shape the content of this show. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pastors Podcast. Check out Twisted Sisters on their Apple Podcast feed. And, um, yeah. I don't think we ever got through this whole thing yet with <laughs> no somebody not no, playing I don't something. Think so. <clears throat> oh. Yeah. Did you skip ahead? No. Oh, it's break just it, a breakdown. Break it yeah. down. It's where it starts to build up. Wait. Here it comes. Are you ready? <laughs> well, you just made that creepy. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, don't forget to RSVP for the third. Yeah. yeah. Facebook.com yeah. slash Pastor's Podcast. It's going to depend on how much beer is there. <sighs> We've got a lot of mileage out of this. Yeah, we have. Probably too much. Probably. Imagine that. Fuck Ricky. <laughs> Fucking Rick. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.